Follow the power lines back from the road. No one around, so I take off my clothes. Am I the only one in the only Ladies and gents, welcome to the super exciting extended birthday bonanza edition of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. That's right, this podcast has been rolling for another year, which means it's a lovely little two years old. Bless it. And so as a bit of a special birthday treat, uh, I didn't buy you all a cake, sorry, because I ate them all. Um, I've got two lovely guests joining me in the parlour this episode uh, for a little bit of uh, interviewing and chatting and whatnot. Because the interviews went on for a lot longer than I was initially anticipating, this episode is pretty massive. So if you don't like listening to massive episodes, may I suggest after the first interview, just like pausing it for like a week or so and then listening to the other half and pretending that it's a shiny new episode. (laughs) Um, I was going to release it in two parts, but frankly, I'm too lazy for that. Sorry. So uh, you can just slap it in two parts yourself now because it's so long without further ado i shall get rolling straight into the interviews uh, the first is with one of my favorite comic people and tippity top gent jamie smart who is pretty much bananas but that's why i love him um he is an artist and a writer and a genuinely lovely guy um we had a chat about his work in comics and conventions and things uh but mostly we really seem to talk about food which is a bit weird but um i'm not gonna argue because i quite like food so yes why not uh grab a slice of cheesecake because apparently that's the uh that's the thing that we're all craving by the end of this interview and uh and enjoy this chat with jamie smarts Spears of 
Welcome to the parlour. Hi. Help yourself to a piece of imaginary cyber cake. <laughs> cyber cake sounds rude. I don't know why. But... It, well, okay. no, it doesn't. Don't be a pervert. So... I'll let you off. So for those people who have been living under a rock on Mars, uh, who don't know who you are and what you do, do you want to do a little little introduction to yourself? Hello? <laughs> oh, that didn't last long. Fucking hell. Hello. <laughs> oh no, is he uh, going to do this again? I seem to remember <laughs> this is what Skype does. Yeah, th- th- that's a good start anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, we can do it in like three minute bursts. We just really quick question and answer. And then hang <laughs> I was, was going to say, this might actually dictate how long we end up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got a six minute podcast. Hey. <laughs> I'm just going to dive right back into it then because I don't want to like. <laughs> Okay. I don't want to end up repeating the same part like six times and we just keep getting cut off in the same bit. Yeah, so for those people who have been like living under a rock on Mars, do you want to do a little introduction to yourself and what it is what you do? Oh, no. Oh, I'm terrible at this. <laughs> uh, well, my name is Jamie Smart and I am an uh, illustrator, I guess. Uh, I do comic books and webcomics and children's books and um, I don't know, I do a lot of different things. Whenever people say what you work on, my, my brain sort of freezes. Like, it's the worst question you could ask me because I just stand there going, well, oh, I don't know. I've got <laughs> so many things I'm doing at the same time, but whenever anyone says, you know, what are they? Oh, crap, I've forgotten. Um, so, yeah, I, I do lots of lots of different things because um, I have a very short attention span. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good enough reason as any to be working on, like, a billion things at once. Yeah, I get bored so quickly, which is really... I always think if I'd start with one idea for, like, ten years or so, then I, I might have made some money out of it, but I, I just flip from thing to thing. And, um, yeah, and then, you know, when something starts getting popular, then I get bored of it and I go, oh, I'll just go and do something else now and start from scratch. So. I kind of think that's one of the, the beautiful things about comics, though, is that they are sort of... You can just do short little bursts of them. You don't have to, like... It's not like a novel and you've got to write, like, 600 pages. It's like, oh, hey, here's this story. Farted out. There you go. Job done. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly with, with comics, because you can just do... You can do a page or you can do a whole issue, and then you can just forget about it and then go and do a different issue of something. And, yeah, I think that's why I chose it as a medium, because I knew my brain couldn't really handle anything else. I've been trying to write a novel for the last three years, and it's it's... Um, a complete, completely different discipline. Yeah, it's 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 really. I I naively thought it might be kind of easy because I thought, well, I write comics, so I know I know how to write the stories that I want to write, and I know how to write the characters that I want in those stories. So it's just putting them into words, and it's not. It's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much more respect for authors having actually um, bum- bumbled it myself. Um, yeah, yeah, I um, I had like really grand designs when I was younger that I was going to grow up and be a world famous author. And I think my first attempt at a novel, I got three pages out and I'd finished. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> I don't think this is how novels are supposed to work. Out, just put like a car chase in it and then a kiss scene. And then, yeah, you, you make about 500 out of that. <laughs> oh, crumbs. You keep cutting out. Damn internets. Hello? <laughs> oh, shit bags. Oh, is it me then? Is it something I'm doing wrong? Well, it, it just keeps flashing up that there's a bad internet connection, but I don't think it can be me because mine's got four bars. Right. So, 
I, um, I don't know how mine's got full, full bars too and I, right now I'm sitting literally on top of the Wi-Fi router. So <laughs> you do you sound could... better already though if that helps oh okay well yeah should we let's try this and see if it works okay good stuff um I can't remember what we were just talking about oh yeah I, I was matter. yeah I think I was talking about how I attempted to write a novel and it was three pages long oh yeah um, <laughs> yeah I've got like all kinds of respect like even if I read a book and I hate it I still think well at least you had the patience to write a book <laughs> at least they tried yeah I, I find hard. that I find that with um films I, I always really hate hating films because mm. you because you think well they were so many people involved in that, so many talented people um, who've put, you know, so much of their lives and you have to fight so hard to get a film made and stuff. And then you sit there and you watch it and you go, oh, man, this is really shit. <laughs> Especially if they're like CGI films or, or, or like animated movies. Um, you think there's so much gone into this, but it's just it's not working. And it just it seems really dismissive to say, oh, that's a crap film. But sometimes they just are oh, crap. And yeah. I, I think it's quite a tragedy that... <laughs> So. I don't know whether it would be it, like if I would prefer to have worked on a crap film than no film, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm like. I'd just want to see my name on the telly and some credits. Yeah, <laughs> like, that'd be nice. Don't care, even if the film was a crock of. I'd be like, yeah, that's just me. Name, like, the just... fil- name the film after yourself, and then have this <laughs> massive launch for it, and then everyone will go, it's rubbish, and you could go, yeah, but have you got your name on a film? No, so. Does it say outside, no playing Stacey Taylor with your name? No, it doesn't. Little <laughs> <laughs> victory. This got derailed quickly. Um, I noticed, because I went onto your website earlier today, because I know that you do a billion and one things, and I didn't want to like be forgetting important ones. And it reminded me that Space Raoul exists. And oh, yeah. uh, I just wanted to thank you for that, really. You don't have to talk <sighs> about it if you don't want to. But I love Space Raoul so much. Oh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I did too. It's, uh, it's one of the casualties of this lack of concentration that I just, you know, you move on to other things and then you don't have time to go back and do the things that you liked previously. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. I, I drew it for quite a few years and did a book out of it and everything, but too much else to do now. Yeah, you are a busy, busy chap. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> You well, say no, that good. though, but at least it's not like busy in a you know doing shit things. Yeah. Oh no. I'm you know I'm the I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I, I, I wake up every morning, you know, really humbled by the fact that I get to do this for a job. I mean, that's ridiculous. I just draw pictures as a job. Um, yeah. No, I, I never take it for granted. I'm, I'm very happy that I'm busy, but at the same time, I'd like to be a bit less busy sometimes. Maybe. <laughs> maybe that would come with concentrating on one thing, perhaps. I tell you, it would come with maybe drinking more or something, just maybe slowly self-destruct my own career, and then then I'd get my wish, and I'd just be lonely in my pants in Sainsbury's car park, shouting at people, and, and then I'll be sitting there going, "Why? Remember that podcast interview I did where I said, no, oh, we shouldn't have so much work." And then it came true. <laughs> I just had visions of you drinking. There is a there is actually a wine you can get from Sainsbury's that comes in a plastic wine bottle. Oh, <laughs> it's well, the saddest perfect. thing. No, that's perfect. Um, yeah, because oh, I'll have a look. Thanks, Dave. Right, this is how like, it starts. If you drop it, it'll bounce. It won't won't break. It'll be fine. This is the um, recorded version of the beginning of my own downfall. <laughs> Thank you. It's just, just planting the seeds of destruction. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's what I like to do. <laughs> um, yes. Well, uh, let's quickly come away from you slowly losing your marbles. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about 
the return of Lushkin because yay. Oh yay. Yeah. yeah, I was quite surprised too, if I'm honest. <laughs> what did did it surprise you that it's come back in a sort of more children's friendly book? Not, uh, not really, because I pitched the idea, so, <laughs> so I knew I was doing it. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I was surprised that they they took it on because I said I said to them, look, I did this previously as Lushkin as a character in an alternative comic, and he he was a bit sweary and a bit violent, but I. I don't remember it being, you know, really obscene. Um, I think it was all quite comedy violence, from what I remember. Um, and I said, yeah, I'd like to do it, you know, as a, for a children's comic strip instead. And because and, I think the humour's the same, I don't think I'd have to sacrifice anything to keep doing it in a children's comic. I think it could still work, and it could still have the same sort of darkness and and um, comedy at the same time. So I suggested to them, and they said yes, and, and I was flipping over the moon because I thought, wow, I'm actually going to get paid to draw Lushkin. I mean, you know, when I drew him before, I was just doing it for the fun of it, really. So, yeah, yeah, I was I was quite surprised that they took it on, but I think he's he's really started to find his feet now. I think he's... I think, as I say, the comedy is, is kind of... It transcends an age group. It's just very slapstick sort of Tom and Jerry comedy um however many swear words you you chew on into it or have to bleep out of it it, it still kind of works and and um yeah and then and now kids are sending in fan art to the comic um of lushkins they've drawn where Aww. they've drawn lushkins saying bum and plops and stuff <laughs> and that's brilliant i mean that's amazing there are some brilliantly child-friendly words that are also like just stupidly funny like bum but, yeah uh, bum but also also, if you combine those words with like other innocent words, so like things like bum flaps, that's really funny to me. I don't, I don't think flaps is an innocent word. I don't know. <laughs> Not to is you. <laughs> well, just, to children yeah. it is, surely. Yeah, no, that's true. Actually, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. When you, when you put a sort of body part word next to a sort of seemingly unrelated word, you can come up with a, a, a new whole word that's, that's funny just for being so silly and I think kids really respond to that and and yeah yeah I'm agreeing with you that's what I'm saying <laughs> sorry I forgot what I was talking about I'll let you off <laughs> I've got to say I'm a little bit sad about the phoenix because it's stupidly hard to get hold of so I um I had a right flipping wallet rape when I went to Thought Bubble last year because I just went over to the phoenix table and went which ones have got Lushkin in I'll have all of them thanks <laughs> Oh, really, oh, thank you. At least we've boosted sales by at least what two or three. <laughs> he's been well. He's been in like seven issues now, but I think at the time of Thought Bubble, it would have only been one or one or two appearances. I was going to say, yeah, I think I bought. I, hmm, I can't remember how many I bought because I did buy a couple of other ones just purely based on the covers as well. Because mm. the it's a really nice looking book that is. It's incredible, isn't it? It's mm. it's such good quality, and I, I say that as an outsider rather than someone who whose mortgage is slightly paid by them. Um, yeah, it, it, it is, it's really beautiful and there's so much um, love and attention gone into it. And, and when you talk to them, they they bend over backwards to, to make sure, A, you as a creator are happy and that you're, you've got any other ideas you, about your strip that you want to do. You know, do you want to do a puzzle page? Do you want to do this, that? You know, they're, they're really keen on that. And, and B, they're, they're really excited about comics generally and they they do they set up all these workshops and they get kids involved and they um which i think is essential and i think it's 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 been sorely missing from from culture from british culture for a while so 
Mm -hmm. I'm getting overexcited because my sister wants to try for a baby and I'm just sort of already planning all the nerdy things I'm going to buy for this child and and force it to be a massive nerd like me. (laughs) You know you'll have to wait a few years, won't you? I don't think they come out ready to read comics. (laughs) Yeah, they do. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can read comics to them. (laughs) It's fine. Just show them the pictures and put on voices. I'm sure that's what you're supposed to do as the cool aunt. I think. Oh, well, well, yeah, you'll certainly get a name for yourself if that's what you're after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that, it's that crazy one again. Mum, why does she have to visit me? Ooh. Yeah, no. but it's the crazy ones that are the best ones when you're a kid, isn't it? I think it's, so. I yeah. think so. Whereas uh, myself in person, I'm really sort of shy and reserved. And when there's a baby around, I'm just kind of, hello, what do you do? <laughs> kind of, I don't know how to interact really. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be forgotten by any babies. Oh, babies are difficult, though, because they respond to very strange things. So sometimes you can be doing exactly what everybody else does around babies, like that stupid, and it will just be looking at you like, what is wrong with you and everything about you? (laughs) And then you'll just do something stupid, like make a completely random noise, and it will laugh like it's never heard anything funnier. And I'm like, kids, what is... like? It's like when you see kids unwrapping Christmas presents and for some reason they're much more enamoured with the wrapping paper than anything that comes yeah. inside. It's like, come on. I spent I'm ages just, buying you that gift. You get. You're saying that, I just had an image of a baby lying there going, oh, have some self-respect. <laughs> Don't just do what everyone else is doing. Come up with something new. <laughs> Fortunately for me, though, I've got, I've got quite a funny face. So when I look at babies, I either get horror or I get amusement. So, you know, it's, it's, at least that's a reaction. It's better that than indifference. I'd hate that's to have true. an indifferent baby staring at me. Yeah, I've had a lot of kids just stare at me like I've gone off. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it is about my face. I don't know. Maybe they're just, maybe they're looking at us all as adults and trying to work out like, so what this is going to happen to me. What my face is going to get bigger, and and I'm going to look slightly more bitter and cynical than I do now. Go, yes, it's all downhill. Well done. Maybe I'll grow a beard. Yeah. <laughs> Kids don't think that when they look at me, obviously. Because oh, I thought, I, that, I thought that was you thinking that. I didn't know we were still talking about babies. So. <laughs> oh, God, where's this conversation going already? I don't, I don't know. I can't remember what you were. I think we were talking about kids coughed. God, I am the world's worst interviewer. I apologise. Oh, the phoenix. No, the phoenix yeah. in, um, is... Uh, I've heard that. Yeah, a lot of people say, oh, it's really hard to get hold of. Um, and I think... I, I, well, if you launch a new kids comic, it's, it's always going to be hard to get hold of because then you have to pay for shelf space in... in uh, I know it's a news agents. How retro am I? Um, <laughs> in supermarkets and stuff like that. And so yeah, that, that's a massive uphill struggle. So so what they did was, I think they did a sort of deal with Waitrose, where you can buy it in most Waitrose stores, um, mm-hmm. and there's also a digital version, and you can buy the issues off their website as well, um, and in sort of a lot of smaller comic shops. So I think they're certainly aware, but I think they're limited by how far they can reach. Um, mm-hmm. I think the dream is obviously to to be a lot more accessible, and I think if, if it was a lot more accessible, then um, I think people would would really get into it. I, mean, I I think they've got a really strong, good audience at the moment, but I, you know, they just need the exposure to to go to the next level. I think of being a, a mainstay of people's weekly purchasing habits. Mm-hmm. I did not know that about Waitrose. I'm going to have to have a poke around in my local one now. Yes, well, we're we're nowhere near Waitrose, so I never see it in Waitrose. But I'm I'm assured that that's where 
that's the supermarket out of all of them that they actually sell in. So. Sorry, just suppressing a tiny burp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so classy. <laughs> I have just eaten my weight in fish cakes, though, so I'm sure you can. Uh, did I make you rush by saying, can we can we do this earlier? No, not at all. It's just that, um, no, it, it was just like the world's biggest fish cake, and I had two of them. See, the thing with fish cake, if I ever get fish cake for dinner, it's disappointing. That, that doesn't count as dinner to me. So I understand why you would t- choose two, because you'd have to make up the quantity somehow. Because fish in itself isn't, it's not like a proper protein part of a dinner. But these these were kind of amazing ones that were stuffed with cheese and coated with oats. Oh, ugh. <laughs> That sounds very nice. <laughs> yeah, that was a really enthusiastic sound. Thanks for that. No, I'm sure. I'm sure you enjoyed it. I did, <laughs> I, I, I did actually. Um, okay. Yeah, sounds lovely. <laughs> anyway, let's talk coachy because, oh, firstly, thank you again for um, doodling Lelouchkin in my copy of Coachy because, oh, yeah. oh, that was so cute. I've just noticed there's like a really loud echo on me. Is that coming through at your end? No, maybe oh, it's just in your head. Maybe. <laughs> maybe I'm just going insane. Um. I hope not. This Can be... I just say I listened to your podcast? Um, was it your last one with the voice of is it Yakko? I can know. Oh, I always get yeah. them mixed up. Yeah, it's amazing. The moment he starts talking, like in his normal voice, all you can hear is animaniacs. Isn't it? mm. It's just like, you're not a real person. You're a cartoon. I absolutely went to pieces during that. Thing. Like <laughs> you may or may not have noticed that I barely said any words, and that was mostly because the entire time, because because I didn't see him face to face either. The entire time, I just felt like I was talking to Donatello. And I was like, I can't cope with this because you're my favourite and rah, my brain just did a die. <laughs> oh, man. What do you imagine he looks like or do you know what he looks like? I know what he looks like and he is, as he said, like a really unassuming middle-aged white guy. <laughs> 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 but it's well, I just... didn't think you'd be a giant turtle. Or oh. That would have been quite impressive, though, to be fair. That'd be amazing if he actually dressed up for every Skype interview he did. Yeah, that would be pretty wicked. Um, not putting the F in. One thing I noticed, though, when he was talking, and he said, you know, of course he's brilliant and he's a genius, but he does that thing that, that a lot of Americans do where they, they mention their achievements in passing. Like, <laughs> like he, he went, oh, I've got an Emmy and this, and then my son does this and this. this, this. And, you know, that's a wonderful, and you, and you should mention that. You should be very proud of it. But I, I was just thinking, when, you, when you're English, you don't really do that. Do you? you sort of apologise and go, oh, sorry, I achieved something. And it's, <laughs> it was, it's a really real contrast, I think, between the Americans and the British. Yeah. It was just, like, to me, it was just, like, really overwhelming when he was dropping bombs like that. I was like, oh, God, I'm talking to somebody who has an MA. <laughs> <laughs> How do you deal with that as a normal person? It's like, oh, well, OK, I haven't. I was going to say, in my case, you don't. You sit there and you just listen to him talk. Luckily, he was a very good talker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Otherwise, he, that episode a... would have been much shorter. <laughs> no, it was amazing. He was um, He's he so was lovely. Wonderful. He's so wonderful. I'm I'm starting my new campaign to get him to come to a con in the UK now. It's not a very good campaign because I don't go to many cons myself, so I'm just aiming at the ones I do want to go to. I don't think you can call kidnap a campaign. I think there's legally they're two different things. Well, but if you can do it, great. It, it's not kidnapping. If he said he wanted to come to the UK at some stage, <laughs> surely. You're just forcing it. Yes. I'm just, I'm just, you know, bringing the timetable forward is all. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Yes, sorry, I was just wanted to say. No, that's uh, thank you for listening to it. Bless you. 
I thought, um, well, no, I thought I should. I just thought I should listen to one before I came. <laughs> <laughs> so you chose to listen to the one where I don't say any words. No, um, do you know, um, I listened, I, no, I used to listen to it when you first started, and didn't you do one with Bevis? I did. That was yeah. the first one, the very first one. Yes. No, I did. I did start, but with like with any podcast, I just well, it's the same when I do web comics, and I imagine it's the same for you as a podcaster. You you always get people at the beginning, and they kind of drift off. And it's not because they're not interested, it's because they just kind of forget it's there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like it's it's hard with the internet to stick with something religiously every week. And that's why I well what I found with what I do is that, that every now and then people come back like a couple of years later and go, Oh, you're still doing it and you go, Yes. I thought you were reading it. Um <laughs> So uh, yeah, so that's what I kinda of do with podcasts. Um is you know, I've got a few sort of comics ones that I really like listening to, but I just I don't stick with them. I just tend to remember and go, Oh shit, yeah, I should <laughs> listen to all of them at once now. Yeah, I am. Um, I drift in and out of podcasting, which is a terrible thing to say as a podcaster. But there's just like certain times where, like, especially when everybody's talking about the same thing, like you can almost guarantee when there's a new Marvel film out that everybody's going to review it, like myself included. And I'm just not that bothered about hearing everybody say the same thing about the same film. <laughs> are you bored of hearing yourself talk about the things as well? When you're saying things, are you go, yeah. oh, I'm so bored of yeah. me saying this. I just, I hate hearing myself talk. So podcasting, it's like the, <laughs> the, the editing part of it is like the world's hardest thing because it's just like, oh, here I go again. Blah. And I've already heard this once when I said it. You did choose a very strange medium to work in then if you don't like the sound of your own voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a mistake. It's just because I haven't got the attention span to like write a blog or anything. <laughs> oh, bless. <laughs> but you can spare like a couple of hours. Okay, yeah, like because I like talking, you see. I like yeah. I like writing. I'm just very bad at sitting down and actually doing it. Whereas if somebody else is involved in the process, then it's like, oh, that's that's tied me down now. I've got to I've got to, you know, speak to this person at this time. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's yep. nice because I don't speak to a lot of, like, there are a lot of people in the comic world that I only speak to at cons. So sometimes it's nice to just sort of, because otherwise we wouldn't just, I wouldn't, we wouldn't have just, like, Skyped each other today for no reason. Because <laughs> that, that'd be a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I don't talk to anyone if I can help it. I, before Twitter <laughs> came around, I didn't, I literally, I knew a handful of artists like, here and there, but um, something like Twitter just transforms it and suddenly you know everyone in the community and it's it's bizarre and i'm i'm an incredibly antisocial person so to to suddenly be talking to people is um strange it's a phenomenon i find it terrifying like one of the reasons i started podcasting was to sort of try and combat my crippling social anxieties <laughs> did it work semi I, I still find it hard to talk to people face to face though as you may have gathered when we met each other at thought bubble and kind of awkwardly hugged and went ah no. but i i think this is the thing because um because i'm the same in that I'm, I'm sitting there going oh god i sound like an idiot talking to this person look they seem all calling together and, and yet you know if you went away and thought about it well no hang on that person's probably thinking the same thing about me they're probably <laughs> thinking oh i'm falling apart inside but this person seems like a dude um so no i think everyone is walking around permanently um you know crumbling from so uh, crippling social anxiety and assuming that everyone else is just dealing with it and they're not we're all broken and messed up so it's okay <laughs> <laughs> hooray happy ending Huzzah. <laughs> i'm gonna feel better about talking to people randomly at cons now Oh, you should, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, maybe not babies, because as you said, babies just think you're crazy. Yeah, um, they do. It must be the hair. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably because every time I see children, my hair's usually different, so they don't know who I am. They're like, oh, what's what's this? 
I don't think they've got particularly good memories anyway, do they, children? I don't know, I don't know actually. They're like goldfish. I was just going to say, isn't that fish that you're thinking of? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm sure there's been studies into babies' memories. I don't know how you'd study that. but Hey, let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I haven't watched that trailer. That's really That's uh, all right. It's no. Really, it's really no. bad for me, isn't it? Well, yeah, let's not talk about it. It's comics. Who cares? <laughs> just comics, isn't it? <laughs> um, d- d- yeah, go on. Um, going back to conventions... How do you sort of deal with starstruckness? Because I would imagine you get a lot of people who sort of turn up, because I know you don't do many cons anyway, but like when you do, I would imagine you get a lot of people who sort of do similar things that I do, which is sort of point a book at you and grin and go, (laughs) and then walk away. But I would that's, what, no, that's what I do to them. I was going to say, I would, I would imagine that it's really awkward as well because you will probably be meeting a lot of people there that like you you admire and that, whose work inspired you and things, and that must be. Yeah, well, yeah. I found at Thought Bubble, I was going around going, "I'm, I'm, hello, I really like your work. I'm Jamie Smart off of Twitter because <laughs> you know that that's how people probably have been contacted by you so far. But then when people said it to me. I'd go, oh, okay, and they'd go, you don't know who I am, do you? And you go, oh, no, but there are a lot of people on Twitter. I can't know all of them. <laughs> um, so, no, yeah, that was kind of awkward. Um, yeah, no, I find uh, I'm incredibly humbled by the fact that someone would think enough of my work to come out and get a book signed, let alone to actually talk to me. You know, it's not, it's not a natural... It, it would be weird to walk around going, ah, I'm Johnny Big Tits and come here and I'll sign your book if you want. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be cocky about it. It's, um, it's incredible that people think enough of you to, to even buy the book. So, um, yeah, I'm in a constant state of awe, which you might have told from my face when you met me. It's just there's a, the look of a man who's just climbed out of a plane crash. Just I don't know where to go or what to do. Um, but also it's a very uh, – one of the part of the reason I don't like doing signings I like doing signings but one of the uncomfortable parts of it for me is that you're sitting down and they're standing up and so then I mean for a start having a conversation from that angle is kind of weird but then you're drawing in their book so you're head down so they're staring at the crown of your head (laughs) and you're trying to go so where have you come from you know you're trying (laughs) to make a conversation because this person's come out to see you Mm. um while trying to concentrate on doing a rubbish little drawing while being fully aware that they're staring at the top of your head. It's, um, yeah, I find it in, intensely difficult. Very, very enjoyable. You know, I, I like meeting the people, but, um, yeah, I'd rather just sit in a pub with someone than actually sit at a table in front of someone. That, that, that table almost sort of symbolises that you are somehow different. Like, because I found that um, this might just be me and also alcohol, but I found that I'm, I find it much easier to talk to people. Like at Thought Bubble, they have that like mid-show party and um, at the Birmingham Con, which doesn't really run anymore, but they used to be sort of a, a central meeting point at a Weatherspoons. So you could just be hanging around with like random creators and I would find that so much easier. But then as soon as like the following day, I would see them at the con behind a table and all of a sudden it's like the the incredibly awkward thing of like, will you sign my book? Thanks. Yeah, it's uh, Stacey with an E. <laughs> yeah, well, what happens if you misspell someone's name? That's the thing I'm petrified of. Like if, if someone gives you a really strange name, and then you misspell it and they go, oh, well, that's my book signed then for <laughs> someone else. Thanks. Um, yeah, that's no, I know. I know what you mean. It is. It's a it's a barrier. They, I remember once reading these studies about how bosses could get 
more uh, friendlier with their employees. And one of the things was when you go and see your boss and they're sitting behind a table, if you can't see their legs, that means they think they're superior to you um, in in some way because they are behind this barrier. Whereas if they have a glass table, then the employee can see all of the person, the boss, and then you're on a more sort of equal level because... The boss isn't hiding anything behind the table. I'm not describing it. <laughs> and you know that they're wearing trousers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know that there are three people hiding under there with guns, right? In <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm not explaining it very well, but that, that was kind of the principle that if you're if you're behind any sort of barrier and someone can't see what what's through that barrier, and then, then yeah, it does. It creates a, um, a disparity, 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 um, a difference between between you and I, I don't like that i'd rather just yeah as you say talk to someone in a pub plus if you're in a pub you can just go i've got to go to the toilet and then just run off yeah if they, if it's getting awkward that's, so, uh, that's always handy or you could just get rip roaringly drunk yeah, oh no oh, <laughs> yeah but you see i like that idea in theory but i know from bitter experience every time i've done that i've said something so stupid like really you know not even the next day, but the next few months. Like, I don't get massively drunk, but I get a lot chattier. But I, I'll always remember what I've said. I never do anything, you know, mm-hmm. never try and bench press a car or anything stupid. <laughs> um, but, yeah, a couple of months later, it'll suddenly hit me, like, oh, you said that to that person. Oh. And then I start humming a little tune. It's like a little nervous reaction. I go, do, do, try and cover it up in my brain. Just go, no, didn't happen. No, do, do, do. <laughs> um yeah, no, I just, oh, I don't know why. I, uh, I think it's because I get really nervous. And if I'm saying something to someone, they go, oh, hi, I'm da-da-da, and I'll go, hi, your face looks funny. Or, like, <laughs> it's kind of social awkward Tourette's. No, yeah. I uh, would actually kind of love that. I know to get you really drunk, like, sort of go away and come back and see what you say about my face. Get me drunk, spin me round, <laughs> see where I end up. <laughs> I like this. It's like some sort of bizarre social experiment. This is like this is like neck nominate, but uh, <laughs> but to a horrible new level. Just tormenting comic creators. <laughs> oh crumbs! Please oh. don't do this. I, I I won't actually do that. Thanks. Yeah, I am. Um, I I have been quite sensible in that I'm not a person who gets like crazy drunk myself because I don't I don't really like the feeling of being drunk and I I had one drunken experience where I couldn't really remember what I was doing and that really frightened me because I was like what if I like I don't know took off my pants and ran around Birmingham city centre in my underwear like be weird you'd be um, the crazy auntie that'd yeah. be the story that goes around your family I think that's you. a bit a bit that's a bit more than crazy though isn't it that's like full on let's not speak to this auntie again <laughs> breaking a law technically yeah yeah so like I, do, I just don't like being that drunk but i do remember at, um bristol comic con one year when dan didio was there uh for some reason i thought it was a really good idea when dan boltwood said drink this absinthe from this bottle to just to just chug it as you do even though i'd never tried it before and then talk to dan didio for two hours about why um green arrow had been ruined and, and what? But what was his response? Was he kind of tolerant, or he was actually really nice about it? Because I wasn't like, uh, hmm, I, I, I think I was so drunk that I don't, a lot of what I said probably didn't make any actual English sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was mostly probably just, and also with the thing with the Green Arrow <laughs> is these got arrows. Um, so yeah, I don't think a lot of it made sense. But like the following day, I was just like, don't, don't do that at a con again. Cause that, but you see, 
what you've done is you've given him a funny story to tell his friend when he when he goes away. Right, oh man, there's this chick. She was so drunk. She's, I don't even know what she was saying, and she was on the floor for half of it, just spinning around in circles. <laughs> I wish I could say that's what happened, but it wasn't. I actually, luckily, did not fall over, which is good because I always I always have this really weird fear when I'm out and I'm tipsy that I'm just going to fall over in front of new people. Like <laughs> that'll be their first impression of me, like with my legs in the air, just like. Would it be worse to fall into them, like that, like, to knock their drink and just yeah. like stumble up a step towards them? Possibly. I did. So, yeah. um, I did fall over in a subway once, and my skirt fell around my face. Hooray! Woo-hoo. Did you get a cheer or applause or anything? No, because luckily there were only two other people there, and they were both my friends. So one of them took a photo, and the other one helped me up. <laughs> <laughs> I like the sequence of events that you described. <laughs> one of them took a photo and went, "Wait." Wait, Instagram's loading. Wait. Okay, pick her up now. <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. Hey, that's oh, what friends are for. I was gonna say you gotta love you gotta love friends, didn't you? They're so helpful. If we're yeah. talking about social awkwardness, one thing that really bugs me, and this applies to if, if you did meet comic artists in a pub afterwards or something, is when pubs play music. Or even even if there's not music and there's just lots of people talking shit around you and you can't hear what the other person's saying. And I think maybe part of this is me getting slightly older. Um but even even when I was younger I have got Certain people have voices that can carry above the the ambient uh, volume, mm-hmm. um, and some people don't, and mine doesn't, and it really gets lost. And so you're standing there talking to someone like above the noise, and I, especially I imagine if there's been a comic convention going on, the pub, you know, is going to be heaving, and there's going to be lots of people around, and you're trying to make an incredibly witty and intelligent point, and, and you can't quite say it, and then they respond, and you all you can hear is. <laughs> Yes, mm-hmm. and you have no idea what they're saying. That's yeah. what I hate about people. Uh, <laughs> that's not really the the people, though, is it? Well, no, it is. <laughs> if the other people weren't there, it'd be all right. That's true. I've had that problem a lot, and there's been quite a few times, like luckily just with friends, not with like actual strangers, where they've said things, and I've just totally agreed, and then later the been asking me about it and I've just agreed with something like really offensive or like the opposite of what I actually believe and I'm like oh that's what you said no <laughs> no I don't believe that at all Daisy, um, I think we should send them all home what do you think yes. I, I concur <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh Stacey and my, my friends there going yeah so I voted Tory and I'm like oh mm, yeah me too yeah yeah that's... no wait what <laughs> <laughs> took it took it political shouldn't do that shouldn't do that um downhill now I know. Oh, uh, oh, farts. Oh, help. <laughs> oh, I don't, don't feel a bit sick. <laughs> Although, like, I don't know why I'd be bothered if you barfed because it would have no effect literally on me at all, won't you it? Could, you could edit it out in theory, but I get the feeling you'd probably keep a bit in just for <laughs> like, an action scene as part, part of the podcast. Just for comedic purposes. I wonder yeah. if there's ever been a podcast that has broadcast a vomiting. <laughs> I imagine there has somewhere. But I also now don't want to know what that podcast is. Now I'm interested. Just in case. <laughs> oh, cripes. I'd love um, to do a, I'd love to do a phone interview while I'm sitting on the toilet, but not, <laughs> but not on purpose. Like I like. If I was thinking that the interview was going to be in half an hour's time and then suddenly it fo- the phone rings while I'm on the toilet and I went, oh, hello, who's that? You go, hi, you're live on the radio. We're doing this interview thing now. And you go, oh, oh I'm actually midway through it. Like I haven't, you know, like you've started dropping potatoes in, but you, 
but you've still got a few left in the tunnel when you're going, well, I can't, I can't get up now because I've got the phone in one hand and, you know, there's still procedures to carry out. (laughs) (laughs) So you're sitting there going, yeah. And then only after they've done the interview, you go, I was in the toilet when I did that. (laughs) Is this your sort of way of telling me you're on the toilet right now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) um, yes, it is. I thought we were doing this at nine. <laughs> oh, that would be pretty awful, to be fair. But the important part is that you didn't plan it. It, it would have to happen completely. <laughs> I was going to say, if you'd have just purposefully sat on the toilet and then the phone rings and you just start shitting. <laughs> <laughs> the best way around it is to get a phone installed in the toilet so that there's always a phone there in case you need to have a conversation and you can just run in. It's like that episode of Friends and Joey has a phone in the bathroom and everybody's just like, Joey, why do you have a phone in here? <laughs> Who's going to make a call from there or take a call in there? Oh, I think I'd just ignore the phone. You're talking about Friends, maybe. Um, did you watch Revolution when it was on? No. Um, do you know what it was? No. It's uh, J.J. Abrams' thing about um, civilization and, and uh, all the electricity suddenly goes out for like 15 years and so everyone's fighting and stuff and it's all kind of all weird, spooky. Um, and I just started watching season two today. Uh, I can't remember why because I got really annoyed with season one. And um, there's there's a bit where they're walking around and so obviously it's, um, it's, it's set 15 years after now and there's been no power and everyone's gone a bit savage. And there's this sort of a circus town or something and there are all these tents with like freak shows and uh this guy's walking through the middle of it and just out of the blue one of the guys uh one of the showmen starts going david schwimmer come and see david schwimmer the only surviving friend <laughs> it was such a weird sort of thing to drop into but but you think yeah not all the friends would survive like if there was a massive apocalypse like, they'd probably get killed a lot of hollywood people would die i think Sorry, I'm just yeah, I'm working it out in my head now. <laughs> Which ones would all the action stars they'd probably live through it from all the, you know, fake fake action things that they do. They'd have vague yeah. knowledge. They're so pampered that I, I don't know if they actually have the survival skills you'd need. I'd be terrible be in an apocalypse because I'd just be crying in a corner until somebody like took me under their wing and helped. <laughs> yeah, but then, you know, if you've ever seen a film, that person who helps you then turns out to be a bad guy and then steals all your stuff and then yeah, Thank that's... you with a spoon. <laughs> a spoon? <laughs> yeah. Well, like a sharpened one, obviously. Oh, well, you can... Obviously. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd take ages. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd have to be a pretty compliant victim of that stabbing, <laughs> wouldn't I? Would you just stop poking me in the stomach with that spoon, for God's sake? <laughs> Maybe if you did it, like, incredibly slowly, like, microscopically slowly pressing it in, then that would it'd be very slow shanking. Uh, sorry, I don't know why I'm... I was going to say, why are we talking about me getting shanked with spoons? <laughs> I'm just trying to work out, like, if you only had a spoon, like, if you're in prison and you only had a spoon to do it, like, if you did it you, if you did it quickly, the spoon would just snap. Like you say, it's pointless, it's a blunt instrument, but if you did it really slowly, like, on an atomic level, it would Maybe. probably go in. You could use the other end of the spoon. I suppose it would depend on what the other end of the spoon was like. Oh, well, now you're just being ridiculous. <laughs> we were having a sensible conversation. For some reason as well, when you were talking about spoons, I was picturing a teaspoon and that made it even worse, I think. It's just... well, in this situation, you don't have a choice. So it could be like a wooden mixing spoon and then that would take ages. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Unless you, like, I don't know, broke it off and stabbed me with all the splintery bits. Yeah, well, that's cheating. That is cheating. If you're going to be a hardened criminal, you don't want to cheat. 
<laughs> just do it, play it by the rule. <laughs> just want to hit someone in the face with a wooden spoon. <laughs> why would you? Uh, why are you even saying that? I thought this was going to be a nice interview. <laughs> are you just threatening me? <laughs> you took it to Shankins. <laughs> that, that was you, that was you, and that was not me. I realise that we've been talking for quite a long time and not a lot of this talk has been about, you know, stuff what you do. <laughs> that's all right, though. I've, that's fine with me. As I say, I'm quite <laughs> awkward. Let's just deflect it. <laughs> I'm um, I'm a bit of a a bit of a tangent kind of person, you see. So you just keep leading me astray, and I'm just happy to to go with it. So um, as long as you're happy with an interview that has basically nothing to do with you, <laughs> <laughs> it would be more interesting for me to listen back to if it's not actually about me. It just sound like two people talking because I won't remember any of this. <laughs> Is that how much of an impact I'm having on you right now? Oh no, it's nothing personal to you. It's just it's just literally as soon as I hang up, I'll. I have to remember where I am, which room I'm sitting in. <laughs> which has actually had to change because of phone issues, so they'll be even more bamboozled. Yeah, it's but not if, the room you started in. It's been working now, hasn't it? Would you be like majorly pissed off if you found out it wasn't the Skype going wrong, it was just me hanging up every three minutes? <laughs> so you were just like, I've already had enough of this, click. <laughs> Just to test my, my resolve. I don't want to do this anymore. And then after a couple of minutes, oh, I feel bad. Okay, let's try again. And then just doing it again. Well, then you have to do it a second time just so it looked legit. Yeah, like I was going through a tunnel in my own house. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, we, uh, yeah. What Come were we on, talking about? I'm I don't sorry. Know. I'm sorry. I'm, try, I'm trying to interview, but you're difficult in a good way, though. It's fine. I was originally like trying to talk to you about Kochi, I think. I think this is where that conversation started. Oh, yeah, that. I don't yeah. know how it got to a wooden spoon shanking. <laughs> but um, that is a delightful book. Um, oh, thank you. By the way. And I'm so glad that you did it as an actual physical thing because it was a web series originally, uh, for those that don't know. And um, having it in my hot little hands at Thought Bubble, I wanted to lick it, but I didn't because that would be weird. <laughs> Um, it's 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 got that um, I don't know what they call it. The part parts of the cover are a bit shiny though, aren't they? So you could lick those, and I don't think the book would be damaged particularly. <laughs> I don't um, know if I want to test that theory out, but no, fair point. No, I was I was um, yeah, I was incredibly chuffed to see it as a book because in I I don't know. Well, yeah, I'm trying to think how much I can say of the plot without giving it away. But the plot kind of revolves around a book of sorts. And it's supposed to, the artwork is supposed to look like it's been in a sketchbook because it has like the binding on the sides and it's all kind of pencil drawn. So in my head, it was always going to become a physical book. But I just spent, I spent so many years drawing it like, and coming back to it. I kind of gave up hope of actually doing a book of it after a while. So I thought, oh, I'll sort it, I'll just put it all online because I just want people to see it rather than, you know, sending it to publishers or anyone you know, which would have been a more, slightly more sensible idea. Um, so, yeah, I put it all online, and it was because I put it online that the publisher saw it and said, hey, we'd like to we'd like to come back and, and do this as a printed book. And then I worked with um, some very talented people who actually brought all the artwork into shape and, and made all the tones and the colours work. And, yeah, I was, I was proper emotional when I saw it. It, it is a really gorgeous book, though, like properly stunning. Yeah, and that's, as I say, that's all the designers. That's nothing to do. <laughs> I just did some pictures in the middle of it, but the rest of it, it's all them. Sorry, burping again. Oh, fuck. Oh. I'm sorry, it's all the fish cake. <laughs> Are they fishy burps? Slightly, yeah. It's a bit. There were two kinds of fish in these fish cakes as well. 
It's like extra fishy. <clears throat> what kind of castle do you live in where you get <laughs> fish cakes with two fish in them? I bought them from the co-op. <laughs> What is this oh. co-op? <laughs> it's it's uh it's like the classiest establishment for purchasing fish cakes. Oh, oh, is that what like Fortnum and Mason or Harrods or somewhere like that? <laughs> no, the no, the co-op's a bag of shit shop actually. <laughs> yeah, I know we we got one down our road and it's awful. I'm, yeah, I, I'm I, going because I'm hungry. I was no. going to say I only went in there because I went to Tesco and they didn't have any food left there, and I was like, I'm starving. Uh, so yeah, that's how I ended up with fish cakes, but they were good. So. It's weird when a supermarket doesn't have food in it, doesn't it? Like, it's, and it's always at this time of the evening, and there's nothing there, and you think you're a, you're a food shop. Yeah, so and, like... and you're open until like midnight. How are you going to cope in the hours to come? Like, and I'm you just there starving, this... gnawing on the shelves. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the real reason you're not allowed in Tesco's? It might be a little bit. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> I feel like that's becoming the word of this podcast. Anyway. <laughs> I feel like I'm just like saying titles of your stuff to you and you're going, yeah, I wrote that and drew that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that helps me because it reminds me what I've done. Because, <laughs> I'm, I, you know, I have, I've been doing this like, what, 13 years, 14 years or something, and I, I have done a handful of books. But if anyone says to me, what books have you done? I go, oh, no, <laughs> I've seen them, but I, I couldn't tell you the names. <laughs> Because as I say, because I have this short attention span, when you work on something, that's brilliant, and then you finish it, and then you go on to the next thing, and it almost disappears from your mind that you've done that previous thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like that Homer Simpson quote about how um, he took that wine tasting class and it made him forget how to drive, and he claims <laughs> that's because his brain couldn't fit in all the information. Yes, that's a perfectly <laughs> scientific reason. My, uh, my, fam- my favourite... Uh, Simpsons cry. I was watching like season what was it 22 or 23 or something recently and really enjoying it and I don't understand why people say it's, it's gone off the boil I think people have just got used to it mm. which is the worst thing that can happen but one of my favourite quotes was from Marge actually um, when she said um, she said Homer I wish you'd stop comparing our marriage to the Special Olympics <laughs> 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 and I think taken out of context of the conversation, it's even funnier. <laughs> it really is. I still love The Simpsons. I don't understand why people, yeah. I think what, what people perhaps haven't understood is that they've got older and yet The Simpsons has carried on at the same high quality. Mm-hmm. And because when you get older, you you see more things and you become more experienced and your frame of reference becomes even bigger. Um, it becomes easier just to say, "Oh no, it's got rubbish now," and I don't, I don't think it has, because I, I, I didn't watch it for like five years, and then I came back to it, and I was, I was really pleasantly surprised that there's still really good episodes. I did, I do think some episodes have just been weird for the sake of being weird. Like I saw an episode, I can't remember which series it was from, but it was fairly recent, where Grandpa Simpson had come up with this like sort of medicine-y type, like, herbal remedy thing. And everyone was taking it. And then towards the end of the episode, everybody's, like, left eye popped out of its socket. Uh, <laughs> and it turns out that was just a side effect of whatever it was. And there were people just walking around going, like, ah, ah, because they're always just freaking out. It was terrifying is what it was. Uh, and I, I did not like that. But that's mostly because I've got a weird thing about eyes. Oh. Did you hear they're making a, a Lego episode of The Simpsons? Yes, and that sounds exciting to me. But it that does good. then mean that there's blatantly going to be a lot of Simpsons Lego that's going to come out that I'm going to want to buy and I'm not going to have any money. Well, it's already out, isn't it? Like, oh, shut up. <laughs> it, like, things, yeah, the thing with Lego is that it's, 
it's brilliant and whoever came up with the idea of dealing with licensed characters was you know a flipping genius because that's what they really needed but the thing is and, and i love lego but it's so expensive like if you want to buy um what are we looking at oh the ewok village um if you want to buy that that's 200 quid for an ewok village and you think well that's really cool but I'm a grown-up. I can't spend two hundred pounds on an Ewok village. The other thing I always think when I'm looking at the bigger sets as well is, where am I going to put an Ewok village? Because oh. if if you spend two hundred pound on something, you're going to want to build it and display it for at least a little while. Yeah, well, I, I think I don't even know if I'd build it. I get, as I say, I get bored so easily. I just want to buy it in the box and go, I've got it, and then just go and do something else. And then when other people are talking about all the Lego they want, you'd be like, I've got that. Yeah. Ah, just rub it in their faces. I've got that still in the box if you want to play with it. Aww. If you want to build it for me, yeah. If someone else wants to build it for me, that'd be great. See, I love building Lego sets. If you ever buy any complicated Lego, I'll come and build it for you. Brilliant. Right, you're hired. <laughs> right. I'm not going to, though, because it's too expensive. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. If you like win the lottery or some such thing, <laughs> and all of a sudden you're just like, oh, it's like pocket change. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what I'd do if I won the lottery is immediately buy all the Lego. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't walk around going, oh, it's like pocket change. <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy a top hat and a monocle. <laughs> I like the idea of a monocle. I don't know why. <laughs> I can't see the... My, my girlfriend's an optometrist and I've asked her to explain monocles to me before and I still don't get it. It's like, well, why, why do you only want to see out of one eye and not both? <laughs> It does seem like a very haughty-taughty thing to do. It's just like I can't even be bothered to look at things through both of my eyes. It's just... I think I think the only practical use for a monocle is if you walk into a room and you see your wife having it off with the waiter so it can just pop out of your eye. <laughs> I think that's all it's for. It is perfect for expressing surprise. <laughs> yeah. But you can't do anything after that. Like There's no reaction after that. You just walk back out. <laughs> just backwards as well, if possible. I think I've made my point. <laughs> Leave. We've become derailed again. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> We're bad at this. Well, but it's, yeah, um, you're supposed to be taking charge. You're supposed I'm, to be I'm not, I'm not good at that because I just I like to ramble. <laughs> Stop picking on me. All right, <laughs> let's, let's talk corporate school because I love corporate school. Is that going to go on forever? Yes, please. Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of people complaining at me about it because... Um, what? I, well, I recently it went on hiatus like, at the end of last year because I just didn't have any time mm-hmm. to to do it. And I had to say recently, look, it's going to be a little longer this hiatus. It might be the summer until I can get back into it. And I've had a few people sort of say, "What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Don't you understand?" Like, which is which is amazing that people think enough of you and have got so invested in it that they're they're angry at you for not doing it but the fact is it's it's a hobby you know it's a sideline it's not something I can really justify giving priority to Mm -hmm. um which is a shame because I I really love doing it and I still got you know a lot planned out for it so I don't know I I I really hope I can get back to it because I've I've only done seven issues oh well only that's (laughs) That's quite a lot (laughs) yeah but then it's meant to be 600 pages the entire thing like it's all planned out to spread across like 24 issues so there's still a real mountain to climb in in getting it done so yeah no I'd I'd love to get back to it but I just don't have any time ever which is really annoying I remember back in the days when people still use live journal (laughs) oh Oh, do you remember that medieval time yeah I can't even remember my password for that now I'm sure live journal still exists but I've got no idea 
if I'm even on there anymore, I would assume my account's been deactivated. Um, I miss Live Journal. There's a real sort of community about it, I think. I am. Um, I don't know why, but for some reason, I was always better at writing in that than I ever have been at like doing a blog and things. Because <laughs> I keep saying things like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to do a review blog, and it's going to be ace," and then I'll do one review, and three months later, I'm like, "Oh shit, yeah, that blog." <laughs> <laughs> but whereas that, if because it, it's nice to have somewhere to rant about stuff and have other people go, "Yeah," <laughs> just back you up a bit. It's nice. But I remember back in the days, pre this current version of um corporate school the little itty bitty corporate school strips that you used to do which yes. were properly tits i loved those oh thank you yeah that's that was just i think corporate school was was and is still important to me because it's kind of a it's a release because most of the stuff i do is now is child friendly and it's and while i i love that and you know i'm not I'm not saying I'm suffering for doing that. I, I adore doing it. But you do, as an adult, need somewhere just to vent off a little steam and, and you know, write a few swear words and do some offensive jokes somewhere. <laughs> um, and Corpus Skull was always that kind of release where I could just dive back in and, and splatter the pages with blood and stuff. So, yeah, so it's important for my sanity as much <laughs> as anything that it still exists. But that's, that's where it started when I did those live journal strips because I was doing, I think I was in the middle of a children's book or something and I was just, oh, I'm going mad. <laughs> you know, I just need to, to do something a bit offensive somewhere. Have you um, like worked in an office in the past? Because there was um, Wobble as well and the, the office-based humour in both of those strips is very accurate. <laughs> um, I, uh, when I, first, I started Wobble when I was... Uh, I won't say my age, but over a decade ago. And when I started it, I hadn't worked in an office at all, but I was doing, it was very office humour. And I think part of that came from just watching things like Dilbert or reading things like Dilbert and, and stuff like that. And part of it was because I think for me, the office has always just been a setting and the people in it, they're not exclusive to offices. They're hierarchies that exist everywhere and that start in school. So if you've ever been in school, like everyone has, you know that there's always going to be the bully and there's always going to be the downtrodden and the slightly mad one. And, you know, that's that's just gangs at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that always translates into adult life. When I when I bought Wobble back, I, I think it was around the time I just started working at Cartoon Network Studio, and that was my first experience of actually going in somewhere full-time. And I was there for about a year. And that... That was really strange to me because I'd been sitting at home just drawing silly comics for my for my own amusement up until that point. Um, and then suddenly I was getting a train for an hour with other bastards and then I was <laughs> sitting in a, a studio for, I don't know, eight hours or whatever and then getting a train home with the same bastards. Um, and I, I really... I, I couldn't handle it. I found it really difficult and obviously working in a studio isn't quite the same as working in an office because... It's it's a lot more artistic and a lot more you know you get to doss around a lot more in theory, um, but it but it is the same sort of structure and you do still have the alpha males and you do still have people photocopying their asses and you know the the cliches of working in an office. So I I did recognise that and I recognised in myself that I was regressing back to how I was at school and I think that was a large part of what I wasn't enjoying about it was that I was suddenly realising that I was surrounded by people that. I had been surrounded in in school and it was just repeating itself. So when that finished, I kind of, you know, I ran back to my desk 
and just stayed there for the last seven years <laughs> and just thought, oh, I don't want to leave the house anymore. Yeah, so so I I I, I know of working in, a, in an office like environment, and that's certainly you know contributed to it. But I don't I don't think you have to have to understand office comedy. I think you just have to know stupid characters. <laughs> I think one of my favourite wobble strips came um, not long after I'd moved from a two-person office into a like practically open plan office with about 40 other people and um, we had to start labelling our stationery and stuff <laughs> because people kept nicking shit and there was a, a, a wobble strip where... Um, oh, what's the... Oh, I've totally forgotten his name. That's terrible. The, the cute little red one. Ah. Oh. Frank. Frank. There you go. I knew I'd get it. Uh, where Frank and Wubble are sort of staring at each other terrifyingly. And then they have like a big proper cat fight with all the meow and the hissing. And then uh, and then it just ends with Wubble staring back at Frank saying, my hole punch. And I was like, yeah, that's my office, that is. <laughs> oh, well, it's nice it resonated. I hope you don't actually have physical fights over hole punches. I've, do people still use hole punches? We do, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you'd have, like, digital hole punches or something. No, no. We are going to a paperless system soon, apparently, but I don't know how well that'll work because our computers are shit. So... <laughs> 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 just be like, let me just look up your. Oh, my computer's gone off. All right then, let's just have a chat. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna miss paper. I don't like it when things say they're gonna go paperless. Cause you, but like when companies go, oh, you get paperless billing now, and you think, oh, I kind of like having stuff that I can look at. Yeah, but not only if that. If it comes but... in an email, you just don't bother looking at it, do you? Yeah. But if it comes on a piece of paper, it's a bit more important. Well, not only that, but it also when it comes to things like providing ID, and you go. If I print it off of NPower's website, does that count? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> but I don't have an actual bill. And then you start crying in the middle of uh, wherever you happen to be. I had such an issue uh, getting my ID badge for work because I couldn't prove who I was because I didn't have a passport at the time and all of my bills were electronic that I'd printed off and they were like, we can't accept these. You could have printed this off anyway. You could have made this yourself in publisher. I was like, why would I go to the effort of doing that? You could have just loaded your podcast up on your phone and gone, look, see, just held it next to you. And look, you can hear my voice, same voice. It's obviously me. <laughs> it's definitely me. Yeah. don't think the NHS would accept that as a valid form of ID, but ah well. <laughs> Oh, God. I'm very conscious of the time and you having not eaten food. <laughs> it, distress, it distresses me when people eat food so late because I am obsessed with food. And so the instant I walk through my door when I get home from work, I'm like, what can I eat? <laughs> it's fine for me because every now and then I just get this strange waft of fish cakes. I'm not sure where it's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to come down the phone. Um, <laughs> no, I, I eat at really strange times. Like, I have my lunch at about 11 in the morning which is late actually i'd rather have it about nine or ten if i can um and then i can wait for dinner until about nine in the evening or ten yeah no i everything i do in the day it revolves around how can i kill time until the next meal basically (laughs) (laughs) that's a good way to live your life i think it is although once i did this um diet thing where it was um, you're supposed to eat small meals regularly, so you're like supposed to eat a little bit every two hours. And so what I did was I I cooked up this massive thing in the morning, and then I divvied it up into like <laughs> two hour slots. Did I say two hours or twelve hours? Um, every two hours you're meant to eat a small meal, 
and I divvied it up and then I put it all away and then so I ate the first bit and I was like, no, that was quite nice but it was a really small portion. Oh, well, it's only two hours to the next one. And those two hours went so slowly. <laughs> I was just going, oh, it's just sitting in the fridge and then, oh, fuck it, I'll just have it now. And it was torment. I lasted a day on that diet. And I was just so hungry because all I was doing was thinking about the next food. It's, oh, yeah. it's hard work being me. <laughs> I am. Um, I always struggle because I I work only in administration, but for a weight management team. So I'm almost always surrounded by people talking about food and weight loss. So that just makes me constantly hungry, and I'm like, I just want to eat all the time. We had um when I when I did work at, at Cartoon Network. Oh, I sound like I'm name dropping like an American. <laughs> um, but it's been my only proper job. Um, when I was there, we, um. I had this. I had two bosses. One was an American lady. One was a, a British guy, and they were lovely, and they were the, the nicest people. And we used to go out for eating challenges, just the three of us. And I don't know why they honed in on me. They must have assumed I was a, a bit of a fatty or something. Um, but we used to go to like the Hagen Dust ice cream restaurant and see how many rounds we could do, like how many times we could order. And I think we got to like three Sundays each, and then we had to die. Um, but for for one of my boss's birthdays, uh, the other boss went to Patisserie Valerie. Do you know it? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if, yeah, but uh, there are loads of them around London where they do these really fancy cakes that are like 20 quid each or something. And she bought 11 of them, <laughs> like of the massive ones, and then laid them all out on the table. And it was only her, the other boss, and me and I think one or two other people. And there were 11 cakes for all of us. And you were sitting there just basically taking fistfuls out of each one. And there was no decorum or no politeness. It was, oh, it was like the last days of Rome. It was disgusting. It was, even thinking about it now, I'm shuddering slightly. It's, oh, there's too much cake, which is not something you should ever say. I was going to say, is there such a thing as too much cake? But that sounds like that, yeah, it, it might have been yeah, it's, just um, a tad. It's like that story of, you know, if your parents find you smoking, they make you smoke the whole packet to put you off it for life. And that, I think that's what they were doing to me. They were trying to, trying to make me eat all the cakes. So I'd never eat cake. Well, I eat cake. <laughs> Who doesn't eat cake? You'd have to exactly. be a crazy person to not. I ate cake whilst recording an episode the once, and it turns out that's not a good idea. <laughs> 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 because you end up sort of sounding like, no, <laughs> and then nobody can understand what you want about I want to say a whole cheesecake because I was really sad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of that story. But I was just really proud of it because I'd always wanted to eat. They just have like I think it was Waitrose actually do this New New York cheesecake, which is amazing. But you have to have it with custard, which I know a lot of people think is is weird, but it's not. And I've always loved the cheesecake, but I always have to share it with people because that's the only reason I'm allowed to buy one. <laughs> Um, but then what, one time after a breakup or something, I was really sad. And I thought, oh, just, yeah, fuck it. Um, you know, you get a bit self-destructive after a breakup. But you mm. just think, no, I'm just going to eat what I want. And yeah, I ate a whole cheesecake. And yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Did you even feel a small amount of regret afterwards? No, it was brilliant. Oh. It was wonderful. It, was, uh, it just I, sounded amazing, to be fair. I, when you become a grown-up and you think, I could just eat ice cream for breakfast, and that's okay. Like, no one's going <laughs> to tell me off, and I've got my own money, so I can do that. 
um, yeah, it's incredibly liberating when you realise things like that. My mum made me a devil's food cake for Christmas the year before last. And um, she brought it around to my house, bearing in mind that the only people that live in my house are me and my husband. And it was like the biggest cake I've ever seen in my life. And uh, so I had it for breakfast for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't care. It's, it's Christmas. It's fine. I'm alone. Yeah, I was going to say over Christmas, you can... You can drink for breakfast can't you it doesn't doesn't really matter what you have what you eat for some reason every rule goes out the window yeah it's kind of like um the food version of the purge have you seen the film the purge i haven't seen it but i've heard of it oh god it's such a shit film i was gonna say i saw the trailer for it and i just thought nope that's not for me (laughs) no it's it's awful but but the analogy is that um if the purge is about one night or one 24-hour period where you can commit all the murders you want christmas is like uh six day period where you can just eat what the hell you want whenever you want and it's all right and i don't understand why it's all right because it shouldn't be but it is yeah apparently the average person puts on at least five pounds over the christmas week brilliant should be more (laughs) i was amazed it was that low to be fair because i go to town over christmas (laughs) <laughs> just imagine you just destroying a room full of food. Just, just crying into a cheesecake. We bought, for Christmas last year, we bought um, this cheesecake selection thing from Asda, which was like larger than a normal cheesecake, and it was essentially 12 slices, and there were like four of each, of, of four different flavours. And so after Christmas lunch, I was like, I want a piece of cheesecake, but I can't decide what flavour. So I just had two. I was like, well, you know, know and then I had one later. I don't know what that cheesecake is you're talking about. I can kind of picture it in my head, but I've never heard of it before. But the one thing that made me really uncomfortable when you were describing it was the idea of predetermined sizes to the slices. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me feel strange. Like, oh, no. I was going to say, would you be the awkward one who, like, takes a slice? and then cuts like a square off the corner of another one like no yeah, I'm going to have that as well <laughs> what you do isn't it and it's like if you make like a pasta bag or something and you divide it into quarters and you and especially if you're dishing it up you go oh I'll just take a fork full of their quarter because they're not going to know you just put salad on top of it or something they're not gonna... yeah what, what? Um, I've forgotten what we were talking about <laughs> I've got no idea <laughs> oh I love it oh <clears throat> Ah, oh dear. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm keeping you now, and we are just talking about cheesecake, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'm fine with... Oh, dear. I'm in my happy place. <laughs> I was going to say, to be fair, we could be talking about worse things, but... Um... Yeah, this is quite tame, really. <laughs> safe material. Indeed. No, I am I am going to be kind and let you go and eat something because I'm hungry now as well. I'm <laughs> hungry for cheesecake. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I can't, can't think why, but I could just murder a cheesecake right now. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to... I'm definitely going to have to go to Waitrose now, though, because if it does Phoenix Comics and the world's best New York cheesecake, then... I can't say it is the world's best cheesecake, but I can say it's my favourite. And, but I'm not particularly well-travelled in cheesecakes, so, you know, t- make of that what you will. I'm a bit weird, because if I buy a vanilla cheesecake, I like to put lemon curd on top of it. Oh, OK. Just... No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I well, what I don't understand is why I don't just buy a lemon cheesecake. No, it wouldn't be the same, though, would it? No. There's something they, they wouldn't put enough lemon curd on it. Yeah, exactly. There's something fun about just, like, slathering a metric shit ton of le- uh, lemon curd on it. But, um, I don't know, when you describe it as a metric shit ton, it doesn't sound that appealing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which word out of that puts me off. <laughs> Is it metric? Is it metric? Yeah, yeah, I don't like metric. No, me neither. 
Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> right. Was there anything else we need to talk about? <laughs> well, that's kind of up to you, because if you feel like you've pimped yourself enough... <laughs> oh, I'm awful at pimping. I can't sell my stuff whenever I, whenever i send a, a pitch to someone um like a publisher or something i go oh, i'd really like to do this book you know I've, I've done all this work on it you know i'm really passionate about it and i had a meeting like this a couple of weeks ago and then they go yeah come on in come on in let's talk about it and let's see what we can do and then i go in and i know while i'm talking that i'm talking myself out of it like i'm sitting there going you yeah, know it's a bit shit what i've done um I don't know who I am anymore, um, you know, and and you and you leave, and they go, oh man, you you, the, and they're always like full of um, compliments and stuff, and they go, oh, this is really cool, yeah, we love it, we'd love to work together, and then you never hear from them again, and I'm always sure it's because I've met them, it's because <laughs> they've seen me in person. Yeah, I think if you go into a meeting and tell them that what you've done is a bit shit, it's probably, <laughs> it's probably not the best way no, I, to. I, I, uh, I, yeah, I probably haven't said that. That's slight exaggeration, but I, I don't know. I, and I feel like I do just stare at the floor and go, I'm, I'm great. If I can do it across email, I can just go, yeah, I'm the best thing since tits. And, you know, this is, this is cool and you'll like it. And I, that seems to win people over much more than my shuffling, homeless looking face. Just <laughs> going and going, hello, sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm a bit the same though because I did uh, I got loads of like swanky uh, business cards made up to take to Thought Bubble last year because I thought I'd get some interviews and like promote the show and stuff because it's 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 quite sad that I have very few listeners. Um, <laughs> You've got like, quite a lot. I saw your numbers on your website. It's like twenty four thousand or something. I think that's like overall though. That's yeah, like per but you no, you can still count that. You can still say that. Yeah, I am. Um, but like, I think what's what because I'm very like happy with the listeners I've got, obviously. But I think what bothers me is that Comic Racks used to get a lot more, <laughs> and uh, and I feel that's probably because Iz was really good at selling the show. Whereas I went to Thought Bubble with five hundred business cards and. I came back with 496 of them um, because I, I gave four of them out to one of them was to somebody I happened to know anyway um, <laughs> who just said oh I've just realized you podcast and I was like yeah have a business card because someone should take one I spent money on these have four of them <laughs> I did give the other three out to like actual people I didn't know so that That's was good, though, isn't it? but it is because, and the thing is, when I gave them out, I was like, I will, you know, I don't, I don't mind if you never listen to this, which is probably not the best selling point gambit. <laughs> Do you know that the best and worst people at comic conventions at the same time are the people who lean out from their table or who stand out from their table and go, "Hey, you want to read my comic?" As if it's as if they're the only comic person there, and you go, "Oh, comic! That's a novel idea." Um, <laughs> But they're, and usually, oh no, I don't want to generalise, but I must say at least 50% of the time the comic's quite bad. Like it's it's not particularly the sort of thing you'd, you'd want to read, but they're so pushy with it, almost to the point, the point of annoyance. And you're going, no, I'm just trying to walk around, stop shoving it in my face. But the fact is, you know, they'll get some sales out of it. And a lot of artists do just sit there just, hoping that someone will come up and, and look at their stuff. And it's, I don't think artists or creative people of any sort are naturally predisposed to, to business. We're not, that's the part of the brain that shriveled away when the artistic part sort of got worked on and, and grew. To actually realise that, oh, I've done this thing that I'm really proud of. Oh, now the actual hard work starts and I've got to tell other people about it. That's, you know, it's a completely different 
discipline and it's it is you feel incredibly self-conscious doing it so i understand what you what you're saying about the business cards because i i made some corporate skull ones and took them to mcm a couple of years ago um yeah and i just gave them to friends and that was it and it's like oh, and i said to one friend of mine who had a table oh can i just leave these on your table for people to take and he went yeah of course and then i just never did because i felt a bit bad about it i felt that was a bit lazy so yeah it's um we we all need pr people to walk around with us and I just do. do some deals for us yeah i definitely do if you find somebody who's good at that let me know because <laughs> no because i want them to work for me i'll oh. pay them in cheesecake oh what if they don't like cheesecake Ooh, do you even want to be associated with that kind of person well then you can have them <laughs> <laughs> oh thanks <laughs> oh dear <clears throat> sorry i've got <clears throat> it's fish cake in your throat yeah it's trying to make a bid for freedom oh that's mm, gross <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember eating that <laughs> i'm so professional um this is this is why i don't give out the business cards because this is what people hear <laughs> I bet you weren't hacking up when you were speaking to the voice of Donatello and the Animaniacs. <laughs> I just, I couldn't even breathe. <laughs> See, you it, held it together. I don't think head. I did. When I listen back, I'm really embarrassed by the whole affair because it just seems like I'm constantly trying to stop myself from going. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear that. You can hear that underneath him talking sometimes. Like when he says nice things to you, you yeah. can hear this. <laughs> His, his opening gambit was a lot of nice things about me, and I was just like, "Oh, you've never met me." Yeah, that <laughs> you is don't weird. Know. Though, isn't it? That's weird to say to someone who's interviewing you over Skype, just going, "You're an amazing person." You know, even even if you are, which you are, but to, for someone that you've never met to say that, you, the only reaction, the only natural reaction would be to go, "Teehee, I don't know what to do with that information." Yeah, especially when it comes from like Donatello. Or <laughs> yeah. Pinky's mouth, like, come on. Ugh. He that like might... tweeted me almost immediately afterwards as well, and it just said "nof," and I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed he started doing the songs as well when he was talking. Yeah, oh, he he's so brilliant. Doing the country song, and I was going, oh, make him do the full thing. But then you, you can't. He's not like a performing monkey. But then oh. I suppose he is kind of. This is the thing I said to Rich. I, I went into that interview with like literally no questions because I didn't want it to end up with me just going, can you do like, can you just do a pinky joke or can you, can you sing this or can you, can you do that? Because that would have been like terrible. But luckily, he just ventured a lot of noises of his own accord, which is yeah. nice. I think you have to expect that people will... If that's what you're known for, I think you'd have to mm. anticipate that. I would imagine so. I haven't done any voices for you. That's not what I do. I'm <laughs> a, my career is just sitting down drawing pictures, which doesn't really translate across the phone. So. I, think, I think you should do a voice now. Um, well, I can do this one, which sounds like a, a drunken, lonely artist. <laughs> How's that? It's good. I like it. It's very um, accurate. That's what really annoys me. When I <laughs> when I listen back to any podcast interviews I've done, I always think when I'm talking, I think, oh, a bit awkward, a bit weird, but, you know, it probably comes out all right. And then I listen to it, and it's like, it's a garbled old man sitting in front of the fire just going, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> It doesn't sound like me, and then it does, and they're like, oh, that is me, isn't it? That's what I sound like. <laughs> oh, dear. Core bless you. I notice you're not denying that. <laughs> Um, I mean, no, of no, course not. Sound... Of course, you sound like a right proper gentleman. You sound like Dean Kane in his heyday. <laughs> Is that what you aspire to sound like? <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> 
I just remember growing up at that age and thinking, that's a good-looking guy. I wonder if I can be like that good-looking guy. <laughs> and then he started doing films where he was murderers and home invaders and I didn't like him as much. <laughs> I was going to say, you don't want to model yourself after him now. Not really, no. No. Anywho, I am actually going to let you go at some stage. Okay. <laughs> so are there any sort of upcoming projects or uh, appearances? Oh, why am I struggling with words? <sighs> All the fish coat you're coughing up. Um, <laughs> Uh no, <laughs> uh, yes no I am I'm doing a, an appearance I'm doing a, a workshop of sorts at the Phoenix Festival which I don't think it's called the Phoenix Festival it's the it's in Oxford it's called a Oxford Literary Festival I don't know what it's called oh, this is crap isn't it um <laughs> but it, it's an amazing thing in May um and it's and the Phoenix take over a building and they do all these comics workshops and stuff so I'm gonna be there doing doing things. And what am I doing? Oh, we're just getting the Bunny versus Monkey book together, which collects the first six months of strips, which is what I do for the Phoenix. Um, and that's coming out in summer. So, yeah, those are kind of my two main things to answer your question. Sorry, I was just staring at the wall, just trying to think, what am I doing? <laughs> what are you doing with your life, James? I know. That's <laughs> I, I can hear the voice of my aunt in my head just going, oh, it's an interesting choice of career. <laughs> Um, thanks. Yeah, no, but otherwise I, I spend most of my time, I draw for the Beano every week, I draw for the Phoenix every week, what's the other things? I draw for Mega Comic every week, I draw for Doctor Who Adventures every week Oh crap, what else? You know, other things? Just things in my head. Sometimes I think I've I draw for things, but I don't. I've just drawn it in my head. You've just like, had a thought. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no difference between the two. It's like, did I? Can I email that? No, it's just a thought. That won't carry a cough at all. <laughs> Have there been any more chaffy sightings lately? Um, yeah, I put some up last week actually, but I did. I let the website slide a little bit. I got to the point; it was weird because um, the second chaffy book that came out um, had this offer where if you emailed this, this the publisher, you'd get a free chaffy toy, or the first thousand people would. But everyone emailed me. Like they went to the Fine Chaffee website and they'd find that website, that email address, which is a Yahoo email address, which isn't the most professional way of doing things. Um, and I had all these, like, sometimes you'd have kids emailing, really young kids, and they'd go, give me a Chaffee or I will kill you. <laughs> and, like, whenever they did that, I'd always reply and go, actually, that's quite rude. I don't think a Chaffee would want to live with you. And then <laughs> and then what happened was um, someone wrote back on that email, the same email address going, who is this? We don't know who you are, why you're contacting us. Please don't contact us again. And it was obviously the parents of the kid <laughs> who'd emailed first, just all confused. And I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, so that, I don't know, for some reason that kind of put me off the whole thing because I was kind of thinking, oh, it's just getting messy now. Like, I'm just... I'm just disappointing children, and this wasn't the career that I had <laughs> particularly. So yeah, but no, I'm I'm trying to get back into it and, and trying to do more with it because I think I think there's an idea in there somewhere that that needs that has more potential than I've really had the time to to apply. Um, so yeah, I'd li- I'd like to do more chaffy things. Mm-hmm. I got my chaffy from emailing the correct email address. <laughs> Oh, did you? I did. I did oh, indeed. brilliant. And also, my friend knitted me a chaffy that has a loop on his head so I can hang him from the Christmas tree. Oh, don't hang him. <laughs> Not in a like sad way. He likes to uh, be in the tree. Didn't you? You sent me a photo from your, was it your wedding? With I the did. Chaffee? I did indeed, yeah. Yes. 
I think I'd, they're on the website, aren't they? Yeah, because I sent you the most sensible pictures because there was also a picture of um, Chaffee nuzzling into my bosom uh, oh, in my wedding dress, sake. which is you a little did, bit weird. <laughs> you didn't get him drunk or anything, did you? Well, um, my cousin did, you see, because that was, that was her Chaffee um, that I got her for her christening because I'm just that cool. And, um, yeah, that she put a bow tie on him and then got him rip-roaringly drunk. Oh, as long as he had a bow tie, some sort of dignity. <laughs> I was going to say he was—he uh, did—he did fall asleep in a pool with his own vomit, but he looked pretty oh, suave at the time. So you see, those are the sort of photos I can't put on the website. <laughs> we, there are rules. Like when when I first started it, it was kind of back in the MySpace days. I was just sort of joking about, and I did do some—I don't—I think someone sent a photo where Chaffee was in a pair of um, fluffy handcuffs. <laughs> and I, I put that on. And I was like, no, oh, look at this. And then suddenly I got a children's book deal. And I was like, oh, crap, let's get rid of that one. <laughs> yeah, I had to quickly yeah, change it. Reverse engineer the website back to a more child-friendly site. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to make sure I take Chaffee to some exciting places this year. Yes, please do. Um, as I say, I, I'm, I've got more enthusiasm for it now, so I'd, I'd like to start putting more photos up and, and stuff. Is that at um, findchaffee.com? Findchaffee.com, yep. Splendid. Cool. Well, thank you very much for joining me on my little old podcast. No, thank you. It's been fun. I, I hope you've had a nice time talking I can't about... anything we've talked about. Mostly food, I think. Oh, that's all right then. <laughs> that's a safe area. I think, I think we mostly talked about fish cakes and cheesecake, so <laughs> I, I think that's a, that's a job well done. <laughs> fish cakes and cheesecakes, which are the two non-cakes of cakes. Yeah, that's true. Hadn't thought of that. Not very interesting. Um, yeah, no, thank you. It's been it's been lovely to talk to you. <laughs> oh dear. Next time that you are at a con that I am also at, I shall make more of an effort to actually speak to you. <laughs> yes, we will do that. It was it was only brief, wasn't it? I just it shouted in your face and then sat down again. Yeah. And then there was the whole sort of like because I tried to find other people um, later in the day, like not at the tables, so that I could actually talk to them without feeling like I was some puny human. And um, th- most people were watching Doctor Who, because it, oh, okay. <laughs> it was that whole like fiftieth anniversary thingy that weekend, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah, we had a little bit of a pizza party in our hotel room, and then all of a sudden it was like ten o'clock, and I was like, oh, <laughs> balls. <laughs> so uh... oh well, I've had fun. <laughs> Off to bed. Um, but also, I find at conventions like if you if you just want to go and talk to your favourite artist, you're standing there in front of a table full of their stuff that they're trying to sell. So you're like, oh shit, I've got to buy something as well. Like, do, do you know what I mean? And even yeah. if it's, even, it's, it doesn't have to be like a big name artist, it could be like a small press or someone, but just someone you just want to, oh, just have a look at your books. And you start talking to them and they seem like a really cool person. And you're like, oh, I've got to buy it. And then suddenly, like, all your money's gone and you're in debt and homeless. Again. <laughs> See, I always have that awkward feeling that, like, I know I haven't got enough money to buy anything, so now I'm just obscuring other people's view of the table. <laughs> so I'm like, I should walk away. <laughs> yeah, but then, I don't know, but you're making them look busier and more in demand. Look at it that way. That's that true. You're helping their PR machine. Yeah, maybe. I don't even know. though you're not. I was going to say, even though I'm just in the way, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. Thank you again for for coming on. I will let you know when the episode is out. Um, Okay. I was going to say, if you happen to think of anything you particularly regret saying and would like me to edit out, then I will. (laughs) But if you're not going to remember any of the conversation, then I won't. (laughs) Probably safest just to cut the last two hours or so and then just have like the very beginning and the very end. 
Just hello, have, I was, I was say, just have the bit where we go, hello, is it, are you there? Ja- <laughs> Jamie? Oh, piss flaps. It'd be like a modern, modern art sort of podcast where it's just two people confused by modern technology. <laughs> that is me constantly. <laughs> <laughs> I am not good at it. Well, I think sitting over the router seems to have helped my Skype, so I'm, I'll do that in future. <laughs> I've, I've just got visions of you know, like squatting over. Yeah. It. <laughs> so it's the jabby air antennas keep poking up my bum. It's not entirely enjoyable. Oh well, I'll, I'll let you go and uh, remove the uh, the antennas from your bum and have some food then. Thanks. That's all right. Yeah. No, this has been really good fun. Thank you, Sophie. could quite genuinely have carried on talking to Jamie for like two or three hours but um considering the fact that it was a quite late and b he hadn't eaten thought it was only really fair of me to let him go and have some dinner because you know I was pretty much starving by the end of that episode talking about all the cheesecake and I'd had quite a massive dinner as was discussed in a bit too much depth in that interview anyway yes so that was the uh the first interview with the lovely Jamie and hopefully i'll get to bump into him again at a con in the not too distant future and have proper conversations with the man onwards for our second interview this was with a a lovely chappy named john paul bovey which i still feel like i'm pronouncing wrong but i'm just gonna go with it i did ask him because i didn't want to make a tit of myself but apparently i can still make a tit of myself so (laughs) oh well i met john paul at uh, thought bubble comic con last year and basically just started talking about turtles at him because he happened to have a turtles print on his table Uh, he's an absolutely lovely chappy who made me feel very welcome at his table despite the fact that i stood there for a really fucking long time obscuring other people's view of him as well as being a massive turtles fiend and uh, donatello fan like myself john paul is both a writer and a colorist He's worked mostly on the Panini UK Turtles comic as a writer and done a lot of colouring for IDW. You probably know him from his work on the Transformers. He's a genuinely nice guy and, again, I probably could have chatted with him for another good couple of hours if it hadn't been for the fact that, you know, he has a life to lead. (laughs) 
But yes, here you go, a lovely interview with John Paul Bave. Welcome to the parlour. Help, help yourself to a piece of cake. It, it's virtual cake because we're not in the same room, but help yourself. I have cake. I oh. prepared. Oh man, now I'm a bit jealous. I got really overexcited earlier because I bought, you know, those amazing goo desserts that are spelled yes. like G-U. Oh, I bought Cherry Bakewell Puds and I thought these are going to be amazing. But then the bottom layer is entirely just like a cherry compote, which has got like lumps in and I don't do lumpy foods. Oh. I was I was a bit sad, so I sort of ate the cheesecake part off the top as I cried into it. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a lot of crying tonight. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, um, for those listeners who are bonkers and don't happen to know who you are, do you want to give like a little brief overview of what you do? Yeah, is this specifically to people who are both bonkers and don't know who I am, or? Because um, I'm quite happy just to dress everyone that's bonkers. Yeah, I think I think most of the people I know and probably most of the people who listen to the show are a little bit bonkers, so, yeah. Splendid, OK. OK, well, uh, I'm uh, John Paul Beauvais and I'm a comic book writer and colourist. So primarily I'm writing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for Panini in the UK. And colour-wise, I've worked on a lot of stuff. I've worked on on, on Turtles uh, for the US book, uh, Judge Dredd, G.I. Joe, Doctor Who, uh, but mainly Transformers uh, is probably what what I'm largely most known for just because it's one of my obsessive things as well. Um, I'm based in the UK, and uh, in case the accent didn't give that away, <laughs> um, and that's it, really. I'm a human male, average height. <laughs> and exactly what colour are your eyes and hair? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, my, I, I black hair, mm-hmm. and uh, sort of my eyes are a little bit of everything. They're sort of greeny grey with bits of brown in them. It's very confusing. This is starting to sound like either like one of the world's weirdest. Um, like dating site type profiles, mm-hmm. or just like an invitation for stalking. Yeah, and I like uh, okay. I, I like puppies, <laughs> and um, turn offs include uh, people who eat with their mouth open. Oh God! Uh, Do you know my husband drinks with his mouth open? Just wrap your head around that, guys. I d- that's what? what. What he does is he'll pour some drink into like 
his bottom jaw and then he'll talk to you and he's still there and I'm going, swallow your beer. But he just carries on talking to me, frapping his tongue around. That is a skill. I mean, it is a... <laughs> That is actually something to be admired and disgusted by at the same time. It's fell. <laughs> That's good going. Yeah. My, my least favourite thing is, is where I've seen people fill their face full of food, then reach for their drink, then tip a thing of drink into their mouth, and then they, they mash it up in one horrific washing machine of food. And it's just like, I can't, that's not... How did you ever think that was an idea? Like, you, how can you taste either of those things as well as you should? Oh, but there we are. So yes, uh, and um, <laughs> I'm a Pisces. I think that's pretty much everything. You do need you to know. do you subscribe to the to the horoscopes and things? Because I don't. That means nothing to me. No, I, 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 to be honest, it's um, the the description of a Pisces is eerily accurate uh, for me. But I don't actually believe the the um, the things you get in the the paper because um, it, it's stuff like today might be a day to make a decision. <laughs> Today, well, something yes. will happen. Yeah, it's you like didn't. saying, oh, today there's a 50% chance of rain. <laughs> well, if it does or doesn't, the prediction was right. But what was the point of that prediction? So, but yes. Oh, dear. Um, that covers it. That was a pretty good introduction, to be fair. Um, for, for regular listeners of the show, this is the chap that Jenny and I were quite um, affectionately referring to as that turtles guy for like a day at Thought Bubble because we didn't know your name initially and that's why we came back to your table on the second day. (laughs) Which is pretty rude, but it was very affectionate because I do love me some turtles. That definitely came across. (laughs) (laughs) I can't can't say that I'm surprised by that because I just instantly went, oh, turtles, (gasps) Donnie's at the front of this print, I must own it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Donnie will be at the front of, of everything if I have <laughs> my way. But uh... Well, you say that, but yesterday I picked up, uh, I think it must be the latest issue of um, the Panini Turtles comic because I wanted to cast an eye over it. And it was yet another Leo and Raph story. And I was like, all right, yeah, this is good, yeah. But where's Donatello? <laughs> Do you know what? The, the, the I think the problem is that everyone wants to write Donatello and Mikey. Mm. And uh, it, sort of the the comic as a whole is ultimately fairly even-handed in in how they show you know the, there's not too much emphasis on one it does tend to try and alternate uh, but I think everyone sort of wants to write Mikey in particular and I love Donatello in a major way the uh, the the Nickelodeon uh, Donatello is just amazing to me mm-hmm. so um, I I quite enjoy uh, writing him but I've kind of found that that even when he's not the main character in it in some of the other stories i've written he, he very much i feel like he comes across even when he only has one or two things to do mm-hmm. and the same with mikey actually um that, that the essence of who they are comes across very quickly uh whereas with leonardo and Raphael, there's there's a bit more to have to explain them if that makes sense yeah no i get that i think um this is going to sound really terrible, but they're fictional, so it's fine. <laughs> um, Are they? Well. Uh, I'm wikipedia this as we speak. I'll let you know if you're right. Okay, yeah, thanks. Um, while you're doing that, I think Donnie and Mikey have much more of a personality than Leo and Raph. That sounds really harsh to, like, everyone who's ever written Leo and Raph. But I think it's... I th- <laughs> Donnie and Mikey can get away much more with like the one-liners and the quips and the funny stuff, mm. which are the bits that I tend to enjoy more. 
I think, I, well, I don't know if it's, uh, I think like Donnie is, uh, I was going to use the American word for this, but it has an unfortunate connotation in English. But Do- Donnie's a big sort of slightly clumsy, you know, he's a big, he's a nerd, but you know, he's a, I, I can, I can empathize with him. Mm-hmm. He, he's, uh, he's not brilliant around the opposite sex or, you know, he sort of he gets nervous about things, but you know, it is also quite smart. And uh, you know, I think Mikey speaks to the sort of the inner idiot in all of us. <laughs> to, you know, and I, and actually, he's got he's got the hardest weapon to use as well. So it's kind of like I, I think you know he is actually he's got some serious skill. He just uh, has absolutely no attention at Spab. So, and again, I, I think sort of like, you know, Leonardo is very kind of righteous and heroic, which I think, you know, is, you know, generally speaking, Americans love heroes. Mm-hmm. And I think you've got Leonardo and Raphael kind of like fighting amongst each other. Who's the toughest? And I think Donatello and Mikey are the every, every man sort of characters. And I think to us Brits, we, we kind of like the losers a bit more. You know, all all of our TV and and comedy is based around the guys who aren't quite as cool as the other guy. Um, so I, I think there's a bit of that as well. I think I think, yeah. I just kind of I don't know. I just admire them because they try. <laughs> do you find it easier to write for them than for Leo and Raph? I, I do. Yeah. I mean, it, like it's the um, sort of. I, I think there's there's a danger in in. The any of them being just one note, so you don't want everything about Raphael to be uh, sorry to Donny to be oh I fancy you know April, and you don't want Mikey's thing to always be you know oh look how dummy is or he's given a punchline. Mm-hmm. So kind of like I think um, I mean there's there's a couple of stories which hopefully will be approved by the powers that be, uh, and one one is very much a, a Donatello centric story where it's pretty much just him and a another character who will well it will see if it gets approved first um and another one that is, is sort of about mikey on his own and and playing what it's like to be you know on his own and uh, and, and what problems and what benefits that that yields so you know because the turtles get a bit fed up with him at points and yeah so it's kind of a case of seeing uh, seeing how he copes on his own and actually how they cope without him so, uh, I mean, the UK uh, stuff is very much done in one. Mm-hmm. So this story, there's not a continuing story. It has to fit in the realms of uh, the cartoon. So, you know, it's it's often a, most of what you get to play with is actually getting to have fun, hearing the characters' voices in your head and, you know, a bit of action and a bit of a bit of emotional or character development, but nothing, you know, I can't sort of go and now... Donatello's only got one arm, uh, you know, because that has implications. Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of tell a, a story that's worth telling, but also one that, you know, if people switch on the, the show next week and things have changed, you know, it, it's it's up to the TV show to make the change. But yeah, uh, it, that was a really long way of saying yes. Yes, I find them easier to write for. But um, there's, uh, I think in some ways, the characters that I don't, uh, feel as connected with it makes me want to spend more time getting to figure them out mm-hmm. so getting to to sort of under the skin of why Raphael has got this you know chip on his shoulder is um is something i need to know to get the characters uh 
more real or stronger in 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 how they work so sorry i was just suppressing a tiny burp there i just (laughs) (laughs) i'm so classy that's how some cultures show their appreciation so uh isn't that just you know. like appreciation for like chefs and things though? If I just burp at like comic well, writers, I... does that does that count? Um, well, I, I've, I've cooked you a beautiful wood stew, I guess. Ooh. Um, so yes. Mm, tasty. Well, I was uh, I was going to ask. Like, I'm a bit sad actually that I kind of dismissed the panini thing as being totally for children, because I the one that I bought was not only a really good comic but also full of puzzles, which I, I like doing puzzles, and also came with a tiny toy. And now I'm a bit sad that I've missed lots of other issues of this. <laughs> um, but how did you? How how does one get to end up writing the turtles? And uh, you know, tell me this in great detail so I can make notes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, it's it's a bit of an odd uh, story, really. Um, the um, I mean, I, I've mainly written for kind of small press publishers and uh, kind of store my own stories, uh, and actually a lot of them have been fairly fairly dark, uh, fairly humorless, and not suitable for children uh, <laughs> sorts of stories. But uh, what happened was a, a, a friend of mine who had worked with the the editor who was going to be doing the the, the Turtles book was kind of asked. You know, do you know anyone uh, who might be able to tell sort of action-packed or funny kind of stories? And um, she suggested me to him, and uh, he contacted me and said, "Have you got any samples?" I, I did, although as I say, not I only had about one that I would honestly say was uh, was particularly uh, suitable. But um, that there was a good reaction to that, and then uh, there was a lot of writers at this stage, uh, each pitching you know, sort of ideas and outlines that would then go to Nickelodeon for their approval. And um, much to my surprise, it was uh, myself and another writer that most kind of fit what Nickelodeon were were trying to do and the stories they were trying to tell. And yeah, that was it really. Uh, I mean, I haven't done... I uh, This this summer I went on honeymoon that took in San Diego Comic-Con and a six-week adventure in the States. So uh, Jealous. There was a. Uh, I kind of had to put a lot of the turtle stuff on hold uh, whilst I was away. So uh, the issue that's just come out uh, was written sort of like a couple of months ago, uh, shortly after we got back from 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 uh, the states. So hopefully there will be a slightly steadier stream of the written side. But yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I mean, if if Nickelodeon had said no, this is terrible, or you know, this guy doesn't get it at all, and why is donatello's arm cut off at the end of the story or <laughs> any one of those things then uh then yeah it would have been a it would have been a no but um I, and i think it's you know the show hadn't long been on at the time i was doing it so I, i'd seen the pilot kind of two or three episodes and uh maybe one other and had some scripts to go on but um yeah i kind of i, I although i've not actually worked in animation i've written a lot of animation scripts uh, because that was something I was aiming to do uh, at one point. So I kind of, uh, getting the, the handle and the voice on animation, I find reasonably easy. Uh, it's actually quite hard to translate the turtles to a comic mm-hmm. because so much of when you watch the cartoon is, you know, looks, you know, s- someone will give someone a look or there'll be a dramatic pause or a pause for comedy. And you can't do that in quite the same way in a comic book. So, you know, you can't just leave a panel time to 
tell a joke <laughs> you know sort of so it's it's quite hard I, I definitely that's been the hardest thing is uh you know if someone said to me and by god i wish they would um <laughs> do, would you like to you know pitch a story for the animate show or write a script for that i i would find that a lot easier than the uh, the comic book just because writing a comic book i can do and writing animation i can do but translating animation into a comic book is is actually much trickier than I thought it would be. I've always sort of thought that adapting anything into anything else is, is going to be difficult to keep the essence of what it originally was. If that, like, I always think it's a struggle when, like, for example, books being made into films. Like, I just mm. think you're going to really struggle to capture what that original book was doing because you're going to have to cut bits out or change this because you can't do that on the telly or whatever. Like, it's yeah, I don't envy that job. <laughs> Yeah, it's well, it's 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 trying to take the essence of it, uh, and 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 that that's the thing. I always think that if you literally translate a book to a film, it's probably terrible because you, a film is structured a certain way, whether you realise it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, an animation is structured a, a certain way, whether you realise. You know that you you know you're having twenty four frames of information in in the cartoon, and then in a comic book, you've got six panels to a page. So it's you know that there's there's a, a different way you have to tell a story, but you still have to make everybody feel like them and and behave like them and you know move like them if possible. You know, saying Donny tinkers on his uh, machine and then it explodes in his face can be a two second thing on the screen, but it's actually two or three panels in a comic book. So you have mm-hmm. to decide: well, is that worth using half a page for that? Is there a, you know, is it conveying information? Is it, is it funny? Is it, you know, and that's quite, hard. and that, you know, luckily that there's, you know, obviously Nickelodeon know what they're doing and the, and the editor on the book uh, is brilliant and um, he knows what he's doing. So um, yeah, it's quite a fortunate position to, to give, you know, those turtles voices basically. Mm-hmm. Have you pitched any stories yet that they've said straight up no to? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple. Uh, I mean, actually, ironically, in the beginning, uh, I had two two stories rejected. This, both this worked for me and against me because one of them, right in the beginning, they said uh, this is actually very similar uh, to what will what will be the, the season two opening episode. Oh, and at this point, there's only been four episodes aired on TV. So that was kind of like okay, well, I'm on to the right. I definitely, <laughs> I've definitely got the the right idea in my head. Uh, it, but you know, and of course, this thing is, you're there going, oh, but oh, I was going to have so much fun with that story. Uh, and another one, which was, which I can tell you what was in it because it's uh, was uh, I wanted to have a blind pizza shop owner, uh, and then that was rejected because late they were going to have Mr. Murakami, the blind, you know, noodle bar guy. Yeah. So it was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. So again, certain things, you know, you're, you're trying to solve problems in a story. So I kind of thought, well, if people can see them, yeah. So so you sort of um, you try and pick pick things that make sense. And of course, you don't want too many people recognizing the turtles. So, and actually, the first story uh, I wrote had Donny, uh, not Donny, in fact, Michelangelo in disguise, where he'd gone to a pizza parlor. So parts of the stories get rejected, and you try and use other parts. But um, yeah, you uh, have um, had him in disguise, and someone said to me, "Oh, is that a reference to the old cartoon?" 
because of how he was dressed and the snow. And I was like, I have no recollection or memory of that at all. But, you know, it's just a logic thing of, well, how's he going to get these pizzas? <laughs> um, you know, and I had him the most ridiculous, you know, I had him in the trench coat and the hat and the, mm-hmm. those ridiculous comedy glasses with the fake nose and the, and the bushy eyebrows. Just because it's visually funny, and it's exactly the sort of thing that you'd think Michelangelo would go, yeah, this could work. <laughs> have People you, um, will be convinced by this. Have you seen the um, the sort of like in progress shots from the new movie at all? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I've seen the toys. Yeah, because uh, there's a, there's a couple of like on set shots now, and there's one of um, Megan Watts chops. Um, and Fox. there's, yeah, there you go. Um, I've got no time for that woman. <laughs> Sorry. Um, there's a picture of her, and but standing behind her is what is clearly a turtle in disguise. But he's about seven foot tall, wearing the world's most ridiculous trench coat over this like massive hulking frame. And I just, uh, mm. I could not stop laughing because it made me think of the, the first live action movie when Raph goes to the cinema. Which oh. he—it's the exact same thing where he's wearing an, like, like that outfit, and you just think, no, nobody's buying that you've got the world's biggest humpback. That's clearly a shell. But um, oh well. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, late eighties, early nineties uh, films tended to have what a, a, an amazing sense of disbelief. <laughs> in the, I mean, I have to say, I had never—I I was not a fan of the the live action movie. <gasps> Gasp. I know, I'm sorry. And I only saw it for the first time recently and I could not believe what I was watching. You've just broken my heart a little bit. I'm sorry, there's just something really <laughs> creepy about Splinter in it. Oh yeah, uh, no, Splinter's terrifying, to be fair. And, and his his awful jokes. <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe if I'd have seen it when I was eight, I would have. my world would have exploded, but... Uh, Seeing it age thirty four, I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> See, like, what I, is this? I definitely think there's like a massive, like a heaping dose of nostalgia, rose tintedness, whenever I watch it. But I will freely admit that I watch it at least once a year. <laughs> like, not even a joke, actually. I, yeah. I, I know exactly when I watched it last year because I had a birthday movie marathon, and that was involved. <laughs> oh, I'm such a grown up. Hey, are you excited about the new film? Now that we're talking about films, uh, um, dunno. <laughs> I don't know. See, the thing is, right? The, the, I have to say that for me, I think that the cartoon, the Nickelodeon cartoon, is, in terms of on TV or, or film, is the best incarnation of the turtles that, that there has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it just works. In every, I mean, I'm so happy that I'm writing for this than sort of any of the other turtles. And that's not to say that they're not good, but just. I feel so connected to this particular continuity that they set in motion and the way it looks and, and the, you know, the voice cast are amazing and the way it's written is so good uh, that I don't know. I just, I, I don't, uh, it's very hard to imagine what this film's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously being a big Transformers fan, we've had the Michael Bay produce and direct the Transformers movies, which I, some people are very anti him and I'm not. But he's got a particular way of doing things, which, you know, I, I think you have to be braced for that. Mm-hmm. that I, you know, 
I don't quite know how I feel about him, to be honest, because I'll, I'll freely admit the only Michael Bay films I've ever seen are the, the first and the second Transformers films, and I mm-hmm. did not bother with the third. <laughs> um, but now I'm annoyed because the fourth one looks amazing. It's got Dinobots, for shit's sake. <laughs> Now I'm going to have to see three because I won't understand four otherwise. <laughs> well, I think I think four is sort of a soft reboot, so I think you're all right. I, oh, I think it's, right, it's different cast and everything. I, I actually quite enjoyed the the third one. Um, again, it's it's a bit of a a marmite effect on on a lot of people, but mm-hmm. um, the third one um, uh, I I quite enjoyed. I thought it was uh, the first couple were sort of like. Um, Oh no! There's this thing which we mustn't let the baddies have because then the baddies will, you know, hurt everybody. Uh, and in the the third one, I just thought it was a lot darker because very early on, the baddie already has it, and the the good guys are sort of on the defence. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's not the world's deepest <laughs> plot. The um, thing is, I'm not I'm not particularly looking for deep with Transformers. Like what I was looking for was robot fights. And yeah. the, the problem I had with the fir- with the first two films is that most of the robot fights either are so crazy detailed you actually can't tell what's happening even slightly, or they're hidden behind things like buildings and ruins and trees. And I was like, oh, I just want to see them fight each other. I think the third one will be more up your street because because they, uh, as a colorist on on the Transformers books, you know half of what you uh, recognize about them is their colors, mm-hmm. and yeah, the third one they actually spent a lot more time having them, you know, hey, this one's green, and that one's red, and this one's yellow, because otherwise, Bumblebee was yellow, and pretty much everybody else was silvery Silver. gray, yeah, <laughs> uh, and I found that quite difficult to follow what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I saw the first one at an at an IMAX, and I thought, if I can't tell what's going on on a screen as big as a double decker bus, <laughs> this is going to be interesting for me to to take home and watch. You know, I'm not going to be able to figure out what the hell's going on at all. But um, no, I mean, I, I, um, I, you know, Michael Bay tells a certain type of story, which is is mainly set piece and action based, and I, I'm I'm quite okay with that. I, I quite like a, a a film that's just stuff blowing up to be honest every now and again yeah i, I, I um, can't argue with that <laughs> so if that might be what the turtles movie is i mean you know transformers uh, comic books have already always been very character centric you know the robots have a history and a mythology and a personality and i and i kind of knew that wasn't going to get translated in, into the films and i think the thing with the teenage mutant ninja turtles is you know there is I don't know if you've read any of the IDW comic books because they're telling a very different tale, which is really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Very, very different. It's it's very much its own continuity. So I, I don't know. I it, I think it depends what you like about Turtles. When you go and see the movie, will the thing that you particularly like about Turtles be present? Mm-hmm. That's that's what I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, until we watch it, I don't know. Yeah, I'm keeping. I'm, tr- I'm trying really hard to keep an open mind because I'm. I'm one of these people who I kind of hate when people just decide something's going to be shit and then never give it the time of day. But like, I, I'm not keen on the designs from what I've seen of the mm. 
little models and stuff. Mostly because what the fuck is Raph doing in a loincloth? Um, <laughs> what? Covering his modesty, <laughs> young lady. Um, they also look quite decidedly adult as well. I don't know if that was just me being a bit pedantic. Maybe it is. Um, and the Megan Fox thing does not inspire me with a massive amount of confidence because she's awful. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I am willing to keep an open mind because it's turtles. <laughs> Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> no, I was surprised. I mean, yeah, Megan Fox hasn't hasn't been in a huge amount uh, of late, but um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of I, I think the problem is, and and I find this when they adapt comic books and things into movies, is that um, again, what makes a comic book look cool um, doesn't necessarily translate onto TV. Uh, yeah, what what on the page and on the on the stage is not doesn't necessarily work the same way uh, and i think you can have i mean obviously they did it with the the old movie but i think if you take what is literally what the turtle looks like and put it on the screen it it will look um <laughs> yeah i mean i mean they did a good job in the the original movie, but but they look cartoony mm-hmm. in the and I, so i guess i think they have to go for something you know much more kind of kibbly and textured and and dirty because i mean it, again you if you think of the logic they're wearing what are they wearing you know bandanas for <laughs> so that we know which one's which yeah but <laughs> but realistically you know that's not what a ninja wears generally no that... you know, it's not just that so so there's certain things where, where you you know so i guess you start going into like and they you know they obviously bind their hands uh for fighting purposes um you know you have to start putting my feeling is you you have to 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 actually try and make it work for a film and that that's what i say about adaptations i think you know you have to try and capture the essence of it but you can't do it literally mm-hmm. but I, and I, the, I feel like though with the transformers movies that that they're designed for a new generation anyway i i don't i think that the the michael a Transformers movie is not designed for me. It's designed for you know people who were teenagers and younger kids in 2007 or whenever it came out and onwards. And you know, and they've done stupendously well financially. So you know, that's that's what that age group in particular wants. Like I say, I didn't. I, I like what I got. If you were handing me the same amount of money, I'd have done something completely different. But I'm okay with that, uh, and I think the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, I, I think, will possibly be designed to get a new group of people in on the action, rather than maybe, you know, lifers. <laughs> um, yeah. See, this is the thing that even if this movie absolutely sucks, it's not like I'm going to stop loving the turtles and sort of putting everything else in my eyes that exists. So absolutely. Well, I'm a huge Trekkie. I'm a massive Star Trek fan. And I, I'm not a fan of the new movies at all, mm. uh, particularly the most recent one. And it's like, well, okay, that's fine. They're not designed for me, but I've still got all the stuff that from all the other series and all the other films. They're still, you know, on my shelf. They still exist. Nothing, nothing takes away from that. So, you know, I think if the Turtles movie is not up your street you still have all that stuff that you love so i can still re-watch the original live action movie yearly <laughs> <laughs> and you know you will I, I definitely will yeah what's sad is that i've i've 
I actually own all three of the live action films and I've I've yeah. watched all three of them quite regularly. Like the first one more than the others, but but still quite Wasn't there wasn't there a made for TV one they did as well? Oh Was, wasn't there one that possibly. had um V was it which one's had Venus de Milo? Oh, that was the um the the very short-lived Next Mutation TV series. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> Which yeah. I, I never understood why they called her Venus de Milo, this no. lady turtle, because that's not an artist. But then I did struggle no. to think of a female Renaissance artist. So Yeah, but even just, I don't know, a, a, there must have been a writer around that. There must have been someone they could have used. Yeah, <laughs> there must Venus. have been some women. <laughs> yes, I'm sure, I'm sure they were around back then. Um <laughs> Wikipedia says women were invented in uh, 1431. So, yes, there should have been some <laughs> around then. Yeah, but it is odd. I mean, just or, or give her a modern artist's name or, or something. But Venus de Milo. I just never quite got the idea of a lady turtle anyway, though, because I, th- I, I think the, th- the thinking behind it was partly to get more girls into it and also partly to sort of conquer the idea of, of you know, love interests and things because... Let's face it, it's fairly creepy that, that Donnie wants to date April because, ugh. And also, have you seen a turtle penis? They are massive. Um, <laughs> have you seen the anatomically, on a scientifically accurate Ninja I have. Turtles? It yeah. scarred my brain. Mm. Oh, my yeah. word. <laughs> yeah, uh, terrifying, just straight up terrifying. Yes. I, I think, um, <laughs> yeah, the more you think about, again, the 80s and, and 90s, uh, this is what I mean as well. You translate something into the real world, it gets weird. There's a reality to it that isn't there when you see it on the comic. You know, on the comic book page, Spider-Man can make jokes and quip, and in a film where he's fighting for his life, it can have the effect of going, "Would you really be doing that mm. when you could be dead at any minute?" You're trying to think of a funny thing to say, you know. So, to a comic book reader, you do have that thing of, "Oh, well, Spider-Man's not being very quippy," but by the same token. To the uninitiated, you know, or the people that are looking at it as a film, you you might go, "Hey, that makes no sense at all. <laughs> Why would you behave like that? That's not how anyone would behave." So yeah, it's I I don't know. It's it's such a challenging one. I I think Turtles is uh, you know I don't know. I mean, you've got films like Thor that came out, which I thought this is going to be really really difficult for them to translate this from the page uh, onto film, and I thought they did an excellent job. Mm-hmm. Um, with with getting the essence of that character, you know, it it took li- a lot of liberties with the source material, but it needed to. But the spirit of it was still there. Um, so I, I don't know with the tills. It's it's I don't know. I think there's been enough different series now that what makes turtles to you, I, I think people can accept different different types of turtle. Mm-hmm. So maybe the movie will will get a, an audience that will accept whatever we end up with. <laughs> I, I, hope I, I hope I can <laughs> accept whatever. I'm trying to be so whatever. positive. Um, <laughs> I am, I am, I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful because I don't want to come out of it and be like, oh, my childhood. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. <laughs> I've just noticed how long we've been rambling. Okay. And um, I'm conscious that, like, at any point that you want to, like, go <laughs> that's fine <laughs> i'm not gonna tell you to but okay. if, if you absolutely have to uh that's, that's fine uh, it's, it's all good i i uh i, I finished uh issue 100 of uh the transforms comic yesterday uh which is my last issue well that's the last issue it's the last ever issue oh. uh, of that book so um so yes i kind of uh I, there are other things 
that will need to be done, but none of them were quite as pressing as that. So, so normally I'd, I'd be sat here coloring something whilst I was speaking. Um, I, I can't write and type at the same time. That is that is just too much for my tiny man brain. No, it's not a man thing. If I I can't listen to anything that has words when I'm trying to type things because yeah. then I just type the words that are being said. <laughs> yeah. And then I realise I've written out half a song and I'm like, oh, shit bags. What yeah. am I doing? I tried to look at an email whilst I was speaking to you earlier and that went terribly wrong. <laughs> Because my thought process completely skewed off in a direction I, I couldn't predict where it was going to go. <laughs> Hit um, your brain, just go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That just happens all, to me anyway. <laughs> all of a sudden, the, my thoughts were just replaced with the theme from the Magic Roundabout. And, um, <laughs> that was a that tricky was show. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yes, while you were sort of vaguely talking about colouring, how, mm-hmm. like, that's... That's a job that I don't think many people think of as going into. How did you end up sort of doing that? As with what will become an increasing theme via a a sideways door that I wasn't quite expecting to go in, I um, wrote and write. um, And originally I was sort of a... I met up with other artists and writers and things. And my local comic book shop had a a group that met, I think it was once a month or once every couple of weeks, to just, you know, try and produce a comic book by the, the next Bristol Comic Con. And um, I, at that point, I, was, I wrote and I drew my stuff. And after a while, I thought, I, this drawing malarkey is something I'm not very good at. And so I was writing stuff and people were drawing it. And I thought, I don't know anyone who colours. I don't know. I want my stuff to be coloured. And I, you know, what's to be done about this? <laughs> And I wrote a strongly worded letter to my MP, and uh, <laughs> um, nothing happened. So, so I thought, well, I'm going to, uh, I'll try. Uh, uh, so I had Photoshop and I had uh, some time and uh, tried coloring. Uh, it took me forever to do it. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I, I, it was good enough that I thought, this is something I'm going to keep trying to do. And um, yeah, I just ended up. You know, people would start coming to me saying, oh, you know, will you colour my story? And so it was something I kept doing more and more. And I enjoyed and got more uh, bits and bobs just, just for fun. Did samples and uh, started going to conventions and things with a colouring portfolio because it's almost impossible to get writing work at a convention. You can't can't walk up to someone with a with a manuscript and go, please read, because they're like, no, no, it's going to take me... <laughs> It's going to take me two hours to read this. Whereas they can look at a page of art and go, yes, this is good. Or no, this is awful, like fairly quickly. So, yeah, people started reacting well to that. And people I work with for fun uh, thought of me when they had opportunities and said, this guy's really good. You know, can I have him work on this? And yeah, slowly I've spent most of my career colouring. And it's only really in the last 12 months that... um, that I've been able to to write as well, so it's still a, a fairly difficult juggling act, I have to say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think basically most people working in comics, they they're trying to tell their own stories. So you have people who can't write or think they can't write, who tend to draw a page that they've made up, and they'll they'll usually have a go at everything else. So they might pencil it and then ink it, color it. They'll have a go at lettering it, and I think naturally you tend to gravitate towards one of those things or one or two of those things so it's, it's trial and error i wish i spent a little bit more time practicing 
kind of drawing, uh, that's the bit I tend to look at other people's stuff and just think oh, I'll never be able to do that. But yeah, so so coloring. I mean, I, I think people, a lot of people, when they pick up a comic, assume that it's all done by the same person, mm-hmm. whoever drew it, wrote it, and they just think there's one person does all the art. But yeah, it's always broken down, or nearly always. Otherwise, the comic book comes out very slowly. It's like a production line, really. So as each page has been penciled, there's usually somebody else inking it, and then that gets handed to the colorist, and then the letterer is lettering the book. Uh, you know, so there's usually four or five people um, involved just to, you know, on each book. I wonder how many writers there are in the world that colour. Because you, <laughs> you kind of think that colouring is, is more of a progression from drawing. Yeah, I'm a bit odd. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite odd. It's not odd to not be able to draw. I can't draw. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it is odd because, you know, my my business cards and, and, you know, on my banner at, at cons and stuff, you know, it's just writer slash colorist and even i look at that and think yeah, it does look really weird doesn't it <laughs> um you know and of course i've got artwork that is collaborations with artists you know but obviously i've done the colors or you know or books i've written but i then haven't drawn but i might have colored and so yeah it's 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 a very difficult thing to explain and whenever you say coloring most of the people who don't understand the comic book side it's like oh do you use crayons do you stay in the lines <laughs> So you kind of get used to, um, uh, to to that general misunderstanding. There, there's a couple. There's um, there's a guy called uh, uh, Val Staples who wrote a lot of the He-Man books in the early 2000s who's written bits and bobs, and, and he's a colorist uh, as well. Uh, but I really cannot think of... I can't think of that of more than that one off the top <laughs> of my head. Uh, I think there might be some uh, some DC sort of guys from back in the day who may be coloured books but actually went on to draw them and then went on to write them. Uh, but, yeah, usually people stick to one or the other. Although the Turtles book, I, I write it, I don't colour it. Uh, there's um, an excellent colourist called Jason Cardi who I've worked with on uh, on uh, Transformers because he, he does the the covers and the cover colours on the Transformers book mm-hmm. and he does the um, the colours on the... Uh, the Turtles book, and um, yeah, his, his work's so good. I'm quite quite happy to see his his pages turn up rather than me do it. But uh, yeah, so no, I, I've coloured the Turtles book uh, in for the for IDW in the US, but I I've coloured a book that I didn't write, and I've written books that I didn't colour. Um, there hasn't really been other than my own self published stuff or small press. I haven't worn more than one hat at a time. But but I am writing a sort of an I think I might. Have talk to you about this at Thought Bubble, that uh, an anthology of short stories, comic book stories that I'm, um, I've been saying for years I'm going to do that, that I will have coloured and written and some of them I may even have drawn uh, but we'll see. Oh, that's quite exciting. Is that properly in the works then or is this still you just saying you're going to do <laughs> Well, I, the thing is every time I'm like, yeah, this is the year and it really has been, this is the year that I do this, it's always been something else has filled the gap which is brilliant uh you know obviously uh, the more work that i get or the more opportunity to get the, the better and there's things that are impossible to say no to like getting to do the, the the toy box artwork for san diego comic-con transformers gi joe set yep. and things like that it's like yeah i i'll happily sacrifice sleep 
um, <laughs> to have a toy, you know, a toy that I've had some involvement with. So that, I mean, stuff like that's always brilliant. But um, yeah, I kind of, the, the little side projects and, and stories that I'm itching to tell. Uh, some of them are written and a couple are drawn. But I mean, I, I'm looking to sort of do like a hundred, probably a hundred pages. I thought you were going to say a hundred stories then. I thought that's ambitious. <laughs> wow. Yes. No, a hundred words. Yes, a hundred pages each with one word on. Uh, no, so... Yes, eventually I'll do that. I mean, and it, and it will be sort of. I, I kind of said that my my style tends to be more serious, more dark, and um, often with sort of science fictiony uh, aspects to them. So it's going to be along those lines. And the stories will vary in length from a couple of pages to, if I get my way, there'll be one twenty-two page story in it. So like a usual comic book size, and then everything else will sort of be somewhere between two and ten pages with most of them being five to seven so they're just little short almost sort of like if you were you know not the twilight zone in in tone but just like there's lots of little uh stories that hopefully people would find something they like in there and a a lot of people have have offered to volunteer art duties for me which is amazing i'm still probably looking to do a kickstarter hopefully to to get funding for that and um pay everyone that would be my <laughs> personal preference would be the even the people have said no i'll do it for free to go no i value your time and your talent so if i can i'll uh but yeah we'll get there it's uh, i uh i've only just finished uh transforms i've got some judge dread to do and i will be writing some more turtle stuff yeah. but hopefully in the gaps there will be time for um for for doing something that's that's entirely uh dredged from the lower portions of my brain <laughs> Well, I, for one, think that sounds exciting. (laughs) I'm always intrigued to see when people sort of, like when I know people for a certain sort of style, Mm. to see, like, I mean, Jamie Smart, for example, I don't know if you've ever read any of it. Like one of my favourite things that that he's doing is a webcomic called Corporate Skull. um, Oh, okay which is about an office worker whose face got pulled off in a photocopier accident. (laughs) And it's full of swear words and not at uh-huh. all safe for children and also kind of brilliant. Um, yeah. And then one day, oh, look at that. He's just like writing in the dandy and stuff. <laughs> I mm-hmm. was like, what? But his kid's stuff is brilliant too. Yeah. No, I mean, my my um, my stuff is universally uh, sort of, is nothing, is not child-friendly at all. So that that's why I, I, I didn't know if I'd get the Turtles gig or not. Uh, just because it's not a style I'd written and not, I mean, not that I didn't think I couldn't, but just I hadn't. Mm-hmm. So you never know until you're tested, really, whether it's actually going to make any sense <laughs> um, or whether, you know, you're going to end up with an architect <laughs> Donatello, um, you know. What is this idea that you're obsessed with? I, I, I just, <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, I just I just thought this story might end really well if he was bleeding to death in an alley. Um, so... Obviously, that's not something I ever, you know, I knew the tone of the show. I would say, though, the uh, the IDW uh, books uh, are much more uh, kind of gritty and dark mm-hmm. in that. They're really, really interesting and really exciting in terms of where they're, where they're taking those characters. I would, uh, I would heartily recommend you uh, hunt those down. Oh, I love them. Um, I had, um, like, I shed a little tear the other day because I've got issue 30 and that cover by Ross Campbell is like, Oh, I'm gonna have to look at that now. Oh, guys, it's well gorgeous. Like that, he's now on my list of 
people to find at a con and stalk. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to you'll have to get out to the states. Oh, I really want to, but um, I'm poor, so <laughs> so let's put the kibosh on that. Um, no, I th- me and Richard have talked about um, saving up one day, but the, the biggest problem we've got is that I really want to go for a con, and Rich yeah. kind of hates uh, people and enclosed spaces with lots of people and also yeah. um, people. So... <laughs> Um, I don't know how well. I mean, that's why Rich wasn't with me at Thought Bubble last year because he was like, unless there's someone there oh, okay. who I desperately want to meet, like creator-wise, yeah. then I'm not going to come. Yeah. Uh, and then nobody was. He actually pulled out the year before as well because he was all excited about meeting Scotty Young and then Scotty Young was like, no, nope, can't make it. So Rich was like, no, nope, not oh. going. <laughs> Which was a bit sad because Scotty Young is amazing and I wanted to get him to draw me a Deadpool. But For, oh. for, for what it's worth, um, my other half although she she's a children's book uh, illustrator uh and uh, so she she's used to doing cons and, and and in fact it was her that we we sort of dragged each other to cons really um and as my career has kind of taken off we've ended up having two separate you know presences uh at conventions and stuff but um yeah i mean i dragged her to transformers conventions to say that she has no love interest uh, or anything in Transformers conventions uh, would be an understatement. <laughs> uh, you know, she's no desire, she's no no like for the the, the toys or the stories or anything else. Um, but the people have been so you know so many of the. I mean, when you're a fan turned creator, it's really odd because all of your mates you were there, all your mates were there before, and they're still there now. But you're now feel weirdly like. <laughs> you're sat on the wrong side of the table and you're not quite sure what to do anymore. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I dragged Jess along a couple of years ago just for a day. And I was like, oh, you have to come, you know, for the atmosphere and, you know, how rare is it for, for to be a, a guest in this way and what have you. And, of course, she ended up really enjoying herself. And the following year she was there, you know, we were there for three or four days. So it's the company, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you ever do something like, I mean, New York Comic Con... I would heartily recommend mm-hmm. because also you get to see New York and San Diego Comic Con was amazing. But it, I mean, it is dense and it is bustly, but anyone that you possibly ever wanted to meet would definitely be there at some point. Yeah, I'm incredibly jealous of the US for that. <laughs> it's yes. like, I always feel a bit bad for cons in the UK because it's like, here's this group of people that are always at cons plus one US person. Woohoo! And then you're just like, if, if that one person's not somebody you're that bothered by, you're like, ah. I think, oh, well. yeah, I think, though, I mean, like Thought Bubble and Supercon and um, London Film and Comic Con has, has definitely sort of uh, gone in the, the direction of really pushing a very US model, you know, and, and a lot of kind of names. I'm surprised that they're coming over. I mean, obviously, we've had Stan Lee amongst others, uh, which I think is, is pretty, pretty cool. But um, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Though it's in America, everyone's on the doorstep, and everyone knows to go to San Diego. So there's always one con a year. Every human being on <laughs> Earth is at. And with New York Comic Con, with obviously Marvel and DC's offices being just there, you know that is rammed full of people because they tend to have like their big story conferences around the same time. So they, you know, that a lot of people come in from all over just for that. So yeah, it can be quite a uh, 
jealousy inducing well there's not enough time to do it all but well this is the thing i always feel like if i did go to a con in the u.s i'd want to phone them up in advance and be like can you just drag this con over for like i don't know about 10 days maybe and then i can like get around the whole thing and see everybody i actually want to see and uh, because i mean i didn't last year at um thought bubble which Mm. is isn't anywhere near the size of of things like san diego and whatnot i did not get to see everybody i had plan to see yeah <laughs> at all mostly because every time i tried to get in a queue someone capped it like i i swear i had some sort of queue capping disease that um <laughs> as soon as they saw me coming they're like no don't let her in fucking cap that shit but um, well, I, I had been issuing warnings and a brief description of you um <laughs> Well, I'm nice. I'm nice at cons. I, uh, I was, yeah, I was a mess at last year's con because I was just, I just felt really sick about meeting Kelly Sudaconic like the whole time. And then when I finally did, she was really nice, and I felt really embarrassed. <laughs> it's, I have to oh. say, it's I don't get um, starstruck very often, but the, yeah, there's a couple of people who I completely uh, lose the ability to communicate around uh, heroes-wise. So I mean, a lot of the cons I've done. That there have been other guests who, you know, from like meeting um, Anthony Stewart Head, Giles from Buffy. Yeah, I, I can imagine that. I, was... I didn't. I, I was sat right next to him in a bar and couldn't bring myself to speak to him because <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt. And then I went up to him the following day when we were all together in the thing and I was like, I oh, really want to say hello to you, but I felt, you know, I didn't want to say. And he was just like, oh, you should have just said hello. I'm just a human being. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know, but you're him off the telly. <laughs> Um, you know, it just become like a two-year-old and kind of like that that kind of shy thing. There's been a few in New York Comic Con and San Diego. It was a couple of people I just about managed to get out. I think you're brilliant. I really like your work. <sighs> and then just ran off. Cause... I was going to say, I don't even manage that most of the time because I'm a bit notoriously socially inept anyway. So just meeting, you know, regular people and talking to them <laughs> is hard. But when it's somebody whose like, work I really admire, like I just, I remember meeting um, Mike, Mignola at um, oh, yeah. Birmingham Con a couple of years ago, and I pretty much just walked up to him with a copy of Hellboy, grinned, watched him sign it, took it and walked away. Did not say a word. Just, <laughs> just put a book at him and was like, ah, <laughs> ah, and then wandered off again. I was at that as well. I was at that that oh. same one. I was I was sat in the front row. Was this back in the day when it was in that? Oh, yes. It, where it was in that? Was it the think tank then? It was Dinky. Cool. Uh, it might have been th- yeah was it the first one if it was the first oh no it was the thing it was the custard factory was the first year yeah i didn't go to Not that sure. one ah yeah it must have been the first year i think in the in the think mm-hmm. tank that was a good con i enjoyed those i did until i had a fallen out with the guy who organized them oops oh. <laughs> we'll edit that bit out <laughs> oops well it doesn't it doesn't happen anymore anyway does it so well they're, do- they're doing um another one they're doing a a, a variation is this the one that's stupidly expensive or was that last year? Because I remember getting an email, I think it was last year actually, that was like, hey, we're not doing Birmingham Comic Con, but come to this thing, it's only £75. And I was like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. They, they did um, They did a thing a couple of years ago, which which I was at, which was really good, which was called Launchpad. Uh, I think that was, um, it might have been fairly expensive, but it, it, was, it, it was very much a creator's workshop thing. Yeah. So you got a chance to, you know, there there was a, a talk. Uh, Mike Carey was to talk about comic book writing, and I did one on comic book coloring. And there was like inking tutorials and how to promote your work, and uh, so it was very much a, um, 
like a, a mini mini university for a day. But no, this I've actually forgotten what it's called. But um, it's the same uh, same organisers, and it's I think it's just one day. Off the top of my head, I don't think it's one I can do because the dates clash with something else. But um, it, it's um, I, I don't know. I, I always thought those shows were. Uh, were really good for, from my point of view. Someone that was aspiring to get in uh, at that point, I thought the uh, the talks were brilliant and um, sort of the portfolio reviews and everything. Oh yeah, I thought it was a shame that that sort of died a bit of a death because um, I used to really uh, the only thing I didn't like about the Birmingham cons was because of the weird placement of the venue. There wasn't like a central place everybody went to afterwards or before or you know to like oh okay yeah so like with thought bubble you tend to see people knocking around the hotel or there's like um a cafe really close by nearly everybody goes to the mid-show party so you can hang around with people Mm. socially then and you don't feel awkward because there's not a table between you because i find that makes it seem really like more difficult to talk to somebody yeah and also the alcohol at the party helps um (laughs) Yeah, I've I've missed the party. I think almost every it's a it's a sad Aww. truth. I'm always working, so I'm I'm often working at the table, um, and then afterwards it's like I have something to eat, and then I continue working. <laughs> um, so um, I, I did uh, uh, this year. I, I went to see Doctor Who ah. uh, at the cinema instead. We had um, a Doctor Who pizza party in our hotel room. Ah, very cool. It was good. It was good. And then we went to the party straight afterwards and almost didn't get in. But that's another story. Uh, <laughs> there was a big whole thing about tickets and ugh. Oh, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, there was too many people or something. Was yeah, something? that apparently they needed a certain amount of security in order to have a certain amount of people oh, there. Oh, okay. And they thought there were going to be less people than there were, so they hadn't mm-hmm. put enough security on. So they were only letting people in as other people were coming out. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, it got a bit, got a bit awkward. Especially um, when some people came out for cigarettes and then other people got let in and they're like, no, you can't go back in now. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, so you're having a awful. fag? What? Um, yeah, because uh, uh, Andy Wildman, who I work with on Transformers, did the storyboards for the Doctor Who episode. Ooh. And he had two tickets, so he already knew a lot of what was going on in that episode, uh, but he's not allowed to say anything. So it's kind of like he How just had this knowing glimpse inside. I got to honest with you, I hate it. I hate having more information than other people because, uh, again, it's 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 particularly. I mean, Andy's a huge Doctor Who fan, um, so I know I know he's had. Uh, I think he worked on the the Christmas one as well. So again, he he's known a lot of what's kind of going on and uh, in in advance, and uh, but just has to keep it. I mean, the, I mean like with a great many things, you you have to sign confidentiality agreements. You know, there are documents I've seen, and I'm not, I'm leaving this really vague, but I'm not even allowed to say that the document exists. Wow. Um, I'd, I'd be useless, I would. I would not be able to get, like, drunk between <laughs> seeing those things and then their eventual release, because I know I would just get tiddly and be like, have you seen that episode of this where this happens? And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> that hasn't happened well, yet. Yeah, it's... Shit. Uh, with... <laughs> 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 it's re- it's really bad because because like working on on books you know sometimes you're six months ahead um and, and you know even if it's a book i'm not working on a lot of us uh, artists and, and writers are in communication with each other so you know we'll see maybe a page that they've done uh or we'll be talking about where things are going and of course then my other friends will say 
will talk about, oh, did you read the latest issue? Or they'll make a comment about something. Uh, and I have to go, um, <laughs> yeah, what's, tell me what's just happened in it. Because th- then you find yourself having to, because, um, yeah, like there's, there's certain things with, in the, in the, with the turtles that, that, you know, that we have to know is, is sort of coming, but we're not allowed to, you know, because you have to know, uh, it's important that, 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 that we know, otherwise we're going to end up tripping over it when it comes time to tell the story. But it is that thing of kind of going, oh, do you see the latest episode of, of, of Turtles? And it's like, tell, you tell me what happened in it and I'll tell you if I've seen it. I think we have a very similar conversation to that at Thought Bubble. When we, I, was, uh, yeah. was that, that chap who was stood next to me who I have no idea who he was, who was asking about... Because um, the episode had just been on where Dog Pound got extra mutated. Yes, and actually, I didn't know about that. In fact, at the time, that's right. Yeah, I didn't know that was something I didn't know. Oh, what is um, <laughs> it's it's fine. It, the the thing is because um, you know, there's a point uh, where you know, like we'll start telling season season two kind of stories, but um, yeah, you know, it, it's sort of like well, certain characters are coming in. Like I didn't feel if it was if it was said at the San Diego Comic Con in terms of this is what's coming in season two, then I feel like well, that's something I can talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know there will be information about transformers or turtles or whatever else which will never come from me even though i'd love to <laughs> because there's there's people you know would love to hear that news but but also as a storyteller i hate people knowing stuff in advance like i want everyone i want a story to unfold you don't want to go oh and and like uh three issues from now um someone's going to get killed because sometimes you're writing it to be a shock yeah, not, it kind you, of loses the you know, impact a bit, then, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I think we've we've we're very obsessed with spoiler culture and having things immediately. And actually, I I find it really hard to avoid spoilers, but I'm always really pleased when I have. Yeah, uh, I find that like spoilers really bother me because I think, although I don't think it necessarily ruins it forever, because mm. knowing what happens can't ruin something. Otherwise, you would never rewatch things or reread things like it just yeah. doesn't make any sense but having the sort of initial impact of it taken away from you like i remember when i was watching um doctor who i i, I foolishly had my own truffin birthday party on a day when a doctor who episode was airing and uh and it was the one where amy and rory left oh, and yeah. there were almost instantly on facebook four screenshots posted by the same friend of mine who I immediately unfriended because, <laughs> because they were all <laughs> massive spoilers. And it wasn't just like, oh, no, look, they've left. Because we knew that was going to happen. We knew they were leaving at this point. But it was just like huge, huge spoilers. And then when I watched the episode, I was like, oh, this must be this bit. There. Oh, yeah, there we go. Well, yeah. Because I, mean, <laughs> I um, to be honest, I, I watched uh, Man of Steel and was not was not for me um to be honest uh i i got very bored with it and was it was uh, too but, long it was definitely too long yeah i and, but so i you know again someone um, to, in fairness this was months after the fact but it you know i was reading something that someone had posted and i couldn't not read the note about what happens between superman and uh zod at the very end and i was like oh so of course rather than that being something that was like oh Oh my goodness! I can't believe that happened. I was like, "Oh, mm. <laughs> all right, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, yeah." That doesn't really make that much. I mean, you know, there's a hundred ways I'm sure this could have gone down where that didn't happen. 
mm-hmm. but you, you're thinking about it in a way that's that's not you know it'd be i don't know it's just it's like watching watching a film and just having someone say oh you know chappy dies at the end it's like that's not that's <sighs> not the the way that information's supposed to get to you in the way that the story's told i think my so. favorite thing was uh watching I think it might have been Friday the 13th for the first time a couple of Halloweens ago at a little Halloween movie marathon we were having. And my friend went, isn't this the one where it turns out it's his mum or something? And I was like, oh, fucking thanks, <laughs> you dick. <laughs> Why would you do that to me? Giant numpty. And I got quite <laughs> mad about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I did. But spoilers, it's one of those things where I can understand people's excitement because when things happen, I get very excited as well. And I'm like, oh, oh, I must talk to somebody. And when there's nobody to talk to, it gets mm-hmm. really like, desperate. But at the same time, there's a way you can post things without full on spoiling. You can oh, go, yeah, you can, you can totally. tweet without saying, shit, this person just died. Like, yeah. no, come on. <laughs> Yeah, be a bit more sensitive. Anyway, this is turning into a rant. <laughs> How it's all did good. that happen? I've, I've not seen the outside world for two years. Uh, <laughs> just so you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger. So uh, you know, <sighs> I understand we have a Tory government at the moment. That's how long it's been since I last. Uh, oh, do you know what? Working in the NHS, that's like the worst. It's just well, the worst. It's my, my day job's local government, so I, I uh, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I was taking part yesterday in a in a tweet thing called Big Up the NHS, which was just trying to piss off Tories, I think. <laughs> <laughs> If it was just a like, better use of people's time, I don't know what it is. Exactly. And, you know, I'm quite happy to, you know, not lose my job. So the, mm. more, the more I can do to promote the NHS as it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, and this, this, this is all a complete side note, which, <laughs> but, but I just think I, I really dislike the notion that wanting to serve the public is a bad thing. Yeah. That if it doesn't make money, it's bad. Now, I've got nothing against making money at all but i just think there are you know there are inherently things which shouldn't be about the money and i just think healthcare should always be about what is right for people yep. and not and not and there should never ever ever be any other consideration except the patient everything else is irrelevant and the same for uh you know because because uh local government should be the same it's about providing a service for the public and not about making money Mm-hmm. Um, and having you know a money mate, someone that uh, has something private sector coming out. I just think there's no reason for the private sector and the public sector to be at war with each other. They're both important, but there are things that should remain public. And the NHS, and I think just I think they just you know, it just frustrates me. It's all I, I, it, it's very short sighted that you, you cut stuff now and you, the the problems manifest themselves ten years from now. So, yes, you save money now, but then you've got 10 years from now, twice the number of people obese or dying of a disease or more civil disobedience because kids haven't got parks to play in and they cut the police. And, you know, it's it's just short-sighted. Yep. This won't go in. This <laughs> won't go in. How do you know say, you're not editing it? <laughs> I just I just want you to know I'm on your side and I'm oh, so there with you. I'll do you know what on. what terrifies me about it is that like if my for example like right now if my washing machine broke, <laughs> I would probably just about be able to scrape together enough dosh to buy a fairly cheap new washing machine. If I got diagnosed with something terrible, well. <laughs> That's a different story as to whether or not I could afford treatments. And that terrifies me, that the idea that, like, you know, 
when I'm in my 60s or something, they could turn around to me and say, right, well, you've got cancer and also now you've got to pay for any treatments that you have. And I'm like, um, why? <laughs> I can't. Terrifying. Well, that's it. But as well, if you're, if you're of working age and, uh, and you, you get diagnosed with something like cancer, that they want to cut your benefits. That's insane. Point. And it's like, but like, again, it, it's, but it's short-sighted. Because if that person, you know, I, I just, I can't understand the logic. But I mean, when we were in the States for, for six weeks, we had to use the, the ER mm-hmm. uh, over there because uh, my wife had an allergic reaction to, we, we actually don't know what it was that bit her, oh, but she got several bites that, that just, you know, looked like a fried egg um, in terms of the, the size of it. Uh, big, hard, really ferociously hot kind of welts that were just getting worse and worse and yeah we, we you know we had to use uh the well we went to a clinic uh and we they were like basically if you're not from the u.s you can't come here and i'm like okay so what where do we what do we do and they said you'll have to go to the emergency room fine so I went to the emergency room uh now here's the thing you see we got seen we filled in a form and were seen almost instantaneously but i was kind of like well how much is this gonna cost now, don't get me wrong, I'd have whatever it would have cost would be worth it. But it was like, but I'd like to know. And um so a credit counselor came down. So this guy came down specifically to talk about payment options. And I was like, look, I just I just just give me a ballpark here. What what are we and he's like, well, <clears throat> see the doctor is uh three hundred dollars. Okay. He nice. went, if 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 there's if they need to do tests, twelve hundred dollars, you know, it depends. I'm like, right. So whatever happens, we definitely use three hundred dollars to see the doctor. And he was like, "Yeah, like, well, that's cool. That at least I know we'll start there and we'll see what what's what happens." And um, you know, obviously it was a lovely, nice hospital, and we were seen very quickly and everything. But I just think I, I don't know. I, I've I've kind of felt in the U.S. I love the U.S. Totally in love with the people and the place, but the healthcare system scares me in terms mm-hmm. of if I was living there. I just don't know uh, how it works because you know the insurance doesn't cover you for a lot of things it only covers you for a certain number of months for certain things you know you could have so uh cancer treatment you might only get six months cover for which is not necessarily any use no so yeah i it's you know i don't it's not a system i i I would seek to replicate i think whatever the flaws are in the nhs it's better than the alternative Mm -hmm. um so I, i think you know i'm sure we can I'm sure every system can be improved, but I just I just think privatising it is not will we'll never actually produce that. No, I'd be well skinned now because like two years ago I was in the process of getting diagnosed with a bizarre rare heart condition, mm. and that I think I must have had about ten appointments with a cardiologist, um, a couple with some nurses, a few ultrasounds, a few ECGs. I'd have been yeah. so skinned right now. Oh. Be but also it's it's the, it's this thing that it's it's the arse backwardness of it of of and the, this is where i don't like the tories because it's the same thing let's say you have got a bit of a tickly cough and the cough gets progressively more serious and you're thinking man this yeah it's really started you know starting to hurt here at that point you think i'm gonna go to the doctor and the doctor would go oh yeah you've got the beginnings of a chest infection here's some antibiotics and whatever else you need and you know you manage it and you might have a day off work or a couple of days. You might actually be fine. If you'd have left it, it might have turned into something much worse. Total time off work, potentially zero. 
but it has cost the NHS, but it has saved society as a whole X amount of money by mm-hmm. you being productive. In the States, you might put that off and put that off and put that off until you're so sick you have to be admitted to hospital. Then you're off for two weeks or longer. You might have a permanent lung function restriction, which you never recover from because you couldn't afford to go to the doctors, so you had to wait till it was bad enough to go to the ER. You know, it's it doesn't make sense to me. It's it's not I think you can spend money to save money. And and that's that is an ideological thing which I think they, they don't have in the states and the and the conservatives don't have. Mm. Again, this won't go in. <laughs> I was this just going to say going this got very political for um, ten past no, ten on a Tuesday. It, it did. I apologise for that. Just, I'll let you off. Yeah, it's just one of those things that it just it's like it's it just seems so obvious mm. to me, and it just frustrates me that that it's uh, it's seen that way. Mm. I think what you do is brilliant. <laughs> well, what, what bothers me about the whole Tory thing is the fact that they sort of keep pointing out all these faults in the NHS and these, you know, reports of certain things that have gone wrong. But when you actually look into why those things have gone wrong, it's because of all the, the money-saving tactics so that, mm-hmm. you know, they were understaffed and staff are doing longer hours or taking on more work and they can't cope and then <laughs> then they go off sick and then other yeah. staff have to pick up there and it's just like nine times out of ten all the the sort of awful stories that you hear are not from negligence like most of them are just from sheer inability to cope with the workload it just yeah. must in Ugh. <laughs> anyway <laughs> Where this were we before we went off a, on a, a Tory rant? Um, yes, I, I was saying I don't get out much. I think that's how we got into this. Um, <laughs> you can see why now. I just be stood stood at people in the street. Oh, can I? Can I? Uh, you know, do you want to donate three pound a month to Action for Blind? Well, actually, let me just tell you about the Tory government a minute, <laughs> right? because yeah, people will get the benefit of my my uh, insular wisdom just regurgitated at them. It's fine. I uh, I rather enjoyed it actually. Splendid, good. I did too. It was interesting hearing from uh, from uh, from another public service, another public servant. <laughs> I think so, the, yeah. the reason I see it as being such a, a big deal as well is that the service that I work for is a weight management service, which is like mm-hmm. very sort of preventative of other things, and the sort of improvements we see in. in other issues like sleep apnea or diabetes mm. or heart problems, blood pressure issues, things like that. The amount of money that is saved in medications from us helping people lose weight is massive. But you, you and people... I need to have a conversation, I think. <laughs> Possibly when we're not recording. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think maybe we should probably just stop the, the uh, actual... Yeah, okay. <laughs> It's been an absolute pleasure, though. Thanks. Yes, and likewise, I've 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 very much enjoyed uh, talking to you about. Um, I don't know how you're going. I've, I've got to say to you that I admire you for having to edit this. <laughs> I'll probably keep all that Tory stuff in. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I'm quite happy. I've nailed my colours to the mast. People know the colour blue doesn't look good on me. It'll be fine. <laughs> I am. Um... Last time I, I voted Lib Dem and, and I, uh, now, now I feel bad about it because I don't understand what his motives were in the, in the cup. I'm going off on one again. Don't yeah. let me. Don't let me. Well, let, let, let's, let's wrap it up. Let's, let's wrap it let's up do and some then sort of goodbye on. and then we'll, okay. yeah, we'll just carry on straight afterwards. <laughs> okay. Um, is there anything that you want to plug sort of social media or upcoming projects wise before we uh, do a, a shimmy? Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Transformers Regeneration 1 
is the uh, Transformers book that I work on. Um, I've just finished colouring the last ever issue, which is issue 100. That will be out uh, towards the end of March. Uh, not sure exactly when. It'll be either the 19th or the 26th, I think. And the final trade paperback collecting uh, the last five issues uh, will be out, I think it's April or May. Turtles is out now. Uh, and just uh, hopefully there'll be more stories written by me in future issues. Uh, my Twitter is wordmongerer. <laughs> I, uh, love, I love that name, by the way. <laughs> it's because I, I munger words like a fishmonger mongers fish. And I had to put the extra ER on there because someone had already taken wordmonger. So that's I'm a, a wordmonger. That's a bit unfair. I know. I know. Weird. I wrote to my MP, but nothing happens. <laughs> nothing ever changes. And uh, wordmonger is basically my, my ID on, on just about everything. So uh, on uh, DeviantArt, where I've got most of my kind of portfolio stuff, it's, it's wordmonger. So, yeah, if, if, I'm, if I'm out there, that's where I am. I, I do have a website, which is www.jpbove.com, but it is updated so infrequently that it's probably not worth going to i um, discovered when i was thinking i'll do a little bit of research see if uh, you know if there's anything that i'm missing that maybe i've read or whatever yeah not not a helpful website thanks no i'm like <laughs> i'm like an online ghost when it comes to that i do have a blog which i think was updated about a year ago uh which is also wordmonger.blogspot or something I, I i don't get a lot of time to do i'm i'm, I'm not on facebook or twitter very much just because uh, that the time between work and then that stuff is called sleep. Yeah. And anything I do tends to eat into that. So I'm I'm a slightly footloose and fancy free at the minute. So who knows? I might I might update my website. You you never know. Or just, you could work on that anthology. You know, just saying. Yeah. You see, there's always something to fill the gap. So yeah. But um, I, I I tend to reply to people if they if they email me or say hello or say hey I've got this black and white thing that I'd quite like coloured or whatever. Uh, I, I I do exist, uh, and I and I do I do get back to you. I'm not a, an incredible amalgamation of of a team of people who have invented a colorist. I'm a human a human male. I think I covered that at the beginning yeah, of yeah. of average height. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I look forward to um, uh, seeing you on the internet and maybe trying to get your bank account and sort code details for Nigerian timeshare information. <laughs> Yeah, I happen to have this random um, couple of million pounds. Don't know if you're interested mm-hmm. in it. If you want to just send me, let me notes. let me just send you a scan of the front and back of my debit card. Mm-hmm. While you're there, yeah. could I also have like a copy of your uh, passport, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. I mean, give, I'll pop it in the post here if you want. Oh, yeah, splendid. It's Thanks. Probably easiest, and then just when when you're done with it, send it back. Will do. Yeah, first class. <clears throat> yeah, I've left my keys in the car as well. I'll let you know where it is. <laughs> Is the window down slightly? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it isn't down, but it is unlocked. Oh, right. Okay, well, that's so, fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've left all my precious things in the boot, so just be careful you don't drive too fast. Oh, dear. Safety first. <laughs> <laughs> Where is this going? We've gone, we've gone insane. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, thank you very much for joining me in the park. Thank you. Did you enjoy your cake, whatever it was that you had? I did, yes. It was uh, largely imaginary, but um, oh. it, I imagine it tasted brilliant. I was going to say, imaginary cakes are surely the best ones because, yeah. you know... Low calorie. Well, well yeah, yeah, yeah. All the taste and uh, none of the guilt. <laughs> <laughs> I can't feel guilty about eating goo today because I did uh, 5K at the gym, so... Oh, wow. You know, there Plus, you go. Plus, you only at the top of it. 
I did, I did only eat the dumplings. calories immediately. That's true. Although, to be fair, I would imagine it was probably the, the more calorific half because it was the cheesecake half and not the fruit half. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the word of the episode, that is. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yes. I, I, I thought you were going to say cake half. <laughs> so I, you know, cake half is going to be my new word of the day. Oh, I would I would like... We did, we, well, hmm. I don't know. I think if I'm going to have a cake, I want a whole one. I think it's a great um, American superhero alter ego name, <laughs> like Jason Cakehalf. I do. I'm like not the... sure. I'm not sure what he'd be. You know, what his superhero is, but that's for another time. Yeah. That's, this isn't going in. Yeah. This isn't going in. <laughs> is any of this going in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord! Shall I just stop recording, Christ? Yes. Yes. Let's <laughs> stop. out this year with the two people that I got to interview because uh, they're both really lovely talkative chaps and um, I've mentioned before how crap I am at talking to new people so it's always nice when you get people who make you feel incredibly comfortable. I mean I should feel comfortable on my own podcast anyway but uh, let's be honest sometimes talking to people is incredibly daunting um, but I hope you enjoyed the the two interviews and the big old birthday special. Next month I'll be back to my regular format of uh talking nonsense about things that I've seen and read and done uh, since the last episode uh, with an as yet unorganised guest. So if you would like to join me in the parlour, probably not next month, but you know, get yourself on the list in it, you can drop me an email. Uh, it's Stacey's Parlour. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-P-A-R-L-O-U-R at gmail.com. Uh, or you can come and pester me on Twitter. I'm at StaceBobT. You can also follow me on Instagram where I take mostly pictures of food and toys and turtle stuff and that's also at stays bob t and uh yep so that's that's the end of that lovely jubbly episode 25 and i shall see you next month ta-ra